What's up, guys? Just a quick reminder, February 1st at 6 p.m., we are dropping brand new bloke shirts for 50% off. So normally they're around 50 bucks. They're going to be 25 bucks. On top of that, February 1st, the biggest sale ever at Bloke in a Bar. It's going to be not only 50% off the brand new shirts, 50% off everything on the store. Singlets, board shorts, thongs, uh, party shirts, other shirts, hats, everything. 50% off everything for 50 hours, February 1st, 6 p.m., plus brand new bloke shirts dropping. That'll also be 50% off. So be there, set your alarms, 6 p.m., February 1st. Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to an episode of Bloke in a Bar, powered by Bloke Beer. Get in your local. We're in every single celebrations in New South Wales. We've got specials going. We're in Bottolo, every Bottolo in New South Wales. Make sure to head in. Plus, we're in hundreds of stores in Queensland, New South Wales, ACT in Victoria. We've got a store locator on our website. It's a beautiful, easy drinking beer. We've got one of the best young brewers in the country to come up with the recipe. It's not fruity. It's not hoppy. It's just beer that tastes like real beer. Beer for blokes that turn up for their family, mates, and good times. Plus, we've got plenty of merch on bloke.shop. We've got party shirts for Christmas. We've got singlets. We've got board shorts, thongs. You name it. That's a bloke.shop. Head there now. Grab some before it sells out. But now with that out of, out of the way, I'm so excited. I've got the great Quade Cooper here. How you going, brother? Yeah, good, bro. Bro, very good to have you. I appreciate it. It's good to be here and just even see you turn it on like that. That's a skill in itself. <laughs> Mate, talking nonsense is probably what I get paid the most for. <laughs> More than I ever played footy. Matter of fact, I trained a player my whole life to be a professional athlete and I'm doing better talking shit. So I don't know what happened, but it's enough about me, mate. How are you going? Obviously, you're back from over in Japan. Yeah, so I, I had a um, Achilles injury. So I had surgery about four months ago now. Um, so just doing my rehab back here. Um, which has been great for my club to be able to allow me to stay here with my family, have a Australian summer, mm. um, but also be under good supervision by we've got the Queensland Academy of Sport, who's basically looking after me from a physio standpoint and a strength and conditioning. Um, so just having that one-on-one, because you, as you know, like teams are made up of like 40, 40 odd players, yeah. and when you've got say three or four physios between that amount of people, mm. the hands-on times probably not as good, good good as it could be. Well, getting on the bed before training is For tough. sure. Yeah. Well, everyone's there yeah. lining up for <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so now having that one-on-one um, and just going through everything. So it's like we go through our gym and there's someone there watching over everything that we do. Wow. Um, and stacking and taking off the weights is probably <laughs> one of the worst things. Nah, but it's it's good, man. I'm very grateful for the, for the Queen, Queensland Academy of Sport for mm. um, looking after myself and mm. Samu Karevi. It's uh, it's like the quality of training that you'd be getting, like watching your form, your mm-hmm. posture, like watching the weight. So like if you're by yourself, you might go, you know, I'll just do 100, 100 kilo squats for 10. They might go, no, no, no. Last week, we got to go up by 2.5%, all that kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. And just having that attention to detail with it, man, mm. it's like, because I know like, I, I train on my own regardless. Mm. Um, and that's just part of my lifestyle now. But having guys there, so it is a lot easier to train with someone mm. or have someone there helping you out saying exactly what you said. It's like, oh, okay, you did 100 last week. How'd you feel with that? Mm. Should we go up to 105? Mm. And you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a crack. Mm. And say you you might not get that, but you, you know where you, where you were and mm. there's someone that's pushing you, pushing you forward. Um, throughout COVID, I was training on my own, and, uh, which was good because I actually had to learn how to do that when you're, when, when you're not feeling up to it. 
going into the shed and just punching out a session. Um, but then my little brother, we got a little crew together mm. off the back of that, you know, so that always helped. So coming back to that, bro, it's like having this facility and training around all these other athletes is some of the best athletes in, in the country training there. Yep. And, um, yeah, so it's good. You surround yourself with those type of people. It's, it's hard not to, to rise to that level. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, and it's almost in the gym if you're with other competitive people. Yeah, for sure. You don't want to be the one yeah. going, oh, I'm just going to chill today. Man, you know, and the thing is, is like coming into that facility and you see some of these athletes that are going at it mm. and you're like, and they're getting paid nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? So they're, they're just there because the facility and they get an opportunity to yeah. use the facility. And so there was a story a couple of weeks ago, this dude had a, um, something wrong with his car mm. and, he's a, um, and he was cycling in like 20, 30 Ks every day. So cycling in there, training cycling home then come back in the afternoon no way. you know what i mean yeah, and i was yeah. just like blown away because i was like man bro like uber but it's like <laughs> yeah when you understand the situation and circumstance yeah like a 20 30 uber for someone who's not getting paid at all yeah and i spoke to um one of the girls yesterday and she was telling me that they get paid around like five six thousand dollars from athletics australia and it's like, so they have to go out and find ways to mm. sort of subsidize and, and make up for that, that income, you know? So when you, when you see that, I mean, me personally, when I see young fellows and what they go through, it takes me back to when I was a young fellow and how much yeah. fire I had, like willing to do whatever it took. And it's funny how like, no matter how much you continue sticking to the process and you think that you have fire, when you compare it to like, I, I don't know about you, but for me personally, comparing it to when I was a young fella, like that fire was fucking whatever it took kind of thing. Right, but that's that's the thing when you're young. There's there's no other choice. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um. But but there's also I look back at that and it was like yeah I had fire in that, but also like a few things just came quite easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like yeah I had fire, but I look back and I'm like I was a little shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I took a lot of these opportunities for granted, mm. but. I was a young person trying to figure it out. And, you know, from a lot of the background that I grew up, mm. there's no one who's been through that that you can sort of touch, that's close enough for you to touch, you know mm. what I mean? So yeah. it's like, well, get advice from, so then same sort of thing. That that fire was always there mm. um, because I, I felt that if I didn't make it in rugby, well, what was I going to be, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I was like, I definitely don't want to be poor. Mm. Yeah. You know? So it was like... Yeah, there's a, there a fair bit of motivation for coming from different avenues, but I was lucky enough to have enough talent as well. Yeah. For when I slipped up a few times. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, that that when you watch like a preseason and you see all the young fellas <laughs> coming through, just it just takes you so like for sure. You, puts you right back there, bro. In that mindset of like overawed, nervous, but also cocky. It's just a weird mix. Yeah, yeah, eh? You're course, not really yeah. cocky, but you are. So you, yeah. When you look back, you're like, bro, why did you think you could act this certain way, but right. you're not thinking like that? For sure, man. And and that's that's the crazy thing about like sport, and especially f footy. Mm. And you come in, there's so many different personalities, yeah. so many different backgrounds. Mm. And then they all mold together into to one operation. And, and it's like, yeah, looking back, I remember rocking up to Wallaby camp when I was like, so I was grade 11 or 12, I can't remember which year it was. So I rock up to Wallaby camp and I've got two different color boots. <laughs> oh, no. You know what I mean? Because it's like, <laughs> and I turn up there and then 
I remember um, oh my God. You know, some of the players like Gitz, George Gregan, um, yeah. you know, Stephen Larkham, these type of players just looking over at me like, <laughs> hey, who's this player? Who does he think he is? Two different colours. Yeah, red and red and a blue boot. So, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> like if that doesn't say arrogant and cocky, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And I walked in there <coughs> shy and nervous, mm. everything. Far from cocky and um, overconfident. Yeah. But it was just my appearance. Yeah, but yeah. in my own environment, I was cocky. I was yeah. um, confident. And you know what I mean? That's a really good point. It's the environment that yeah, of course. reflects what you, how you're feeling. Um, well, let's talk quickly first. Before we go back to when you're a young fella, I just I got to talk about it because I think it's just one of the mo- Over the last few years, it's one of the greatest things I've seen in, in sports. When you returned to the Wallabies, so mm. 2021, rumours circled that you'd be called in the Wallaby squad. Like, Walk us through that whole situation because like, you'd had such an incredible career and then it seemed like, you know, maybe not. And then all of a sudden you go back. You don't just go back. You go back and fucking play good footy. Well, you know, the, the funny thing with that is that, like, when I look back at that time and I look back at when I was playing in the Wallabies um, before I got called back into it, the last game I played was, like, 2016, I think it was, mm-hmm. and it was um, against Italy at Suncorp. And that series, so I don't even say that I played in those games because I played like the last minute and I kind of got put on right at then when the game, like because guys got injured. Mm. And um, so I played a minute against Italy in that. But I look back at me as a man, as a person sitting on that bench and how I was as an athlete. I shouldn't even have been on the field, you know what I mean? So it's like um, I, was, I just wasn't up to that standard when I look physically how I was, mentally how I was. Um, so, and that's probably for a space of four years. Mm. So when I went away and I end up, um, sort of a few things happened at the Reds that they were pretty well documented where there was a bit of a fallout. Mm. I ended up just, um, sitting at home playing club footy, mm. which was to me with hindsight, looking back was one of the best things that I'd ever gone through wow. because I learned a lot about myself and, you know, why I play the game, but also, and sort of, we touched on it before is like. I played the game for all the wrong reasons, mm. you know, because I wanted the fame. I wanted to play in those moments. But I didn't do any of the work that was needed. I had talent, but I didn't do the work that was needed to justify me being in those moments and being successful in those mm. moments. So then I, w- I went away to Japan. And again, that was another hit to the ego because my team, like this is just from the outside looking in, my team was second division mm. in Japan. And at the time, I was like, I'm not going to go play. That's saying a code of my manager. I'm not playing there, bro. Yeah. Like, you're saying that that's what level I'm at. Yeah, so I yeah, should just yeah. disappear and, and retire. Yeah. And he was like, bro, they're going to pay you a lot more money than you're getting paid here mm. to go and play five games of second division. Mm. Like, you're looking at it the wrong way. But I was looking at it from my ego, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when I go to Japan, it's like I let go of my ego. And I go there and I actually just love learning i love te- teaching these these guys over there because all they want to do is learn yeah so then that was for like a basically a three-year period where i'm where i'm away and mm. just like as we sort of spoke about it's like i was so focused on my journey that yeah of course in the like if someone asked me to play for australia again i would have been like oh yeah but i actually at this point i didn't i didn't need it yeah okay there, there was nothing in me that 
wanted that from the space of hey i need that to feel fulfilled okay yeah yeah. so then when that happened i ended up having a conversation with um our defense coach at the time matt taylor and he was like mate i would love like it would be great to have you in here i know you you could do wonders with this group of guys and you could add a lot of value Mm. he's like i've been watching all your games and stuff and i was like oh sweet like yeah thanks for reaching out you know like tear it up um tear it up then Mm. and so i had a conversation with Dave Rennie mm. so we had this like good conversation and and I guess he was trying to work me out my character mm. and one of the things that I sort of touched on there is like bro I'm four months into a holiday yeah this is my life and this is my lifestyle mm. so whether I play or come into the wallaby camp or whether I don't this is what I'm going to be doing mm. and this is who I am as a person so um this is the level that i live at and we had a conversation about what they were doing in camp and i said and he was telling me how hard they were working and i said you know what ren's like i said that's great to hear but what i'm hearing is also that's four weeks of hard work Mm. four weeks is is not enough you know what i mean like that's cool that they're working hard for four weeks but as soon as that game finishes and they get six weeks holiday Mm. they'll stop yeah so for me i said i'm four months into a holiday this is my regime you know so it was like if you're figuring out who i am as a person this is how i live yeah and i sort of started to touch on the fact that i don't need to come in and play like i'm very happy with where i'm at Mm. um and i know that the team doesn't actually need me Mm. you know like yeah you might someone might have got injured and you need someone to fill in Mm. but if if i'm not available then someone's going to fill into that spot yeah the game will still keep rolling and it'll move on. If you pull the coach out, well, someone will step in and coach. Like yeah. it's the game just keeps moving. Yeah, absolutely. So we think that we're important, but we're actually really not yeah. in the big scheme of things. Like yeah. in that moment, yeah, you might have been important. So we had a great conversation, and then um, he invited me in, and I had no thought of playing really. Like mm. I just knew that when I look back, last time I played for Australia, and look at where I am now. I'm totally different physically. I'm totally different mentally. Mm. I live a totally different life. Mm. So if I was kind of successful then, now I know I'm going to be, like, I know I'm just going to be able to do my job at a very high level. Yeah. So then it was like a flip of a coin because mm. I had all the ability and it was like going to a game, was I going to play really well or really bad? Mm. Now, now it's like if I have a bad game, I know that my bad game is going to be just there. Yeah. I know my great game is going to be just above that. Yeah. And then here's me every week, Mm. like right in between. Yeah. So that fluctuations just um, not going to move a hell of a lot. So then when I come into that game, people are like, bro, you haven't played for like five, six years. You nervous? How are you feeling? And I was like, bro, I'll tell you one thing. It's it's a game. Like at the end of the day, it's not that I don't care if we win or lose. Mm. I know what level I'm going to come at. Mm. So I, that's a guarantee that I I can guarantee you that this is the level that I'll play at. Does it guarantee that we're going to win? No. Mm. But what it, what it means is this is what I'm going to give. Now, what are the rest of my teammates going to give? But I can contribute to what they're doing by how I hold and carry myself and the level that I play at. So when I stepped into that game, like, again, it wasn't about winning or losing. I ended up coming down to taking a kick and then the same thing went through my head. It was like, Actually, I remember this on the field. I stand on the field, we get the penalty. If you watch the video, I sort of look over to Hodgie and I yeah. say to Hodgie, 
bro, how you like, because I took a kick maybe five, 10 minutes before that. Mm. And it was like 40 meters out, um, 20 meters in from the sideline. Mm. Bro, and I hit this kick and I was watching it thinking, like I, I was kicking really well. Mm. And I'm watching it fly and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to hit the crossbar. And I'm like, fuck, it's going to fall short watching it. And then it just went over. Like I'm talking like it would have been a bee's dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, when we get the next kick, it's like five or six meters back from that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and it's in the exact same spot, but five or six meters back. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, I look over at Hodgie. Hodgie comes over and like, he thinks the score is different. Oh, really? <laughs> and he's like, bro, just tap it and kick it out. Yeah. And I'm like. And I look at him and I'm like, bro. And then I'm like, bro, we're losing by, by one. Mm. He's like, goes white. And then I said, but I'll kick it. But for me, that moment was like a crucial moment in my own development and my own journey, bro. Because it was like, of course, as we spoke about, as athletes and especially footy players, that's like taking a, in basketball, a three-pointer to win the game or a free throw mm. to win the game. And the game's over. Um, you know, so it was like, hey, it's a cool moment. But I understand, hey, you're better at me than at taking these long-range kicks. Mm. And so even when we had that conversation, me and him, um, if that was five, six years ago, I would have wanted the T. Because yeah. I would have wanted the accolades. I would have wanted to be the hero, yeah, you know what uh, I mean? Because yeah. that probably would have masked over a lot of the shortfalls or the shortcuts that mm. I had taken. So mm. it's like... If I didn't train hard here or there or miss this tackle here or there, oh, but this kick will make up for it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. So just being able to be honest with myself and know that every day I had done the work. Mm. So now when in this moment, I'm happy someone else take it. Mm. If you're better at this, you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then so then when it was on me to kick it, I actually knew that, hey, I've done, a, I've done work and practice for years to try for moments like this. Mm. It doesn't guarantee I'm going to get the kick. Yeah. But I'm going to do my best and I'll live with that. Mm. You know, so it was like at that moment, whether I got it or I didn't, it was going to be the same outcome. And that moment will be that, just a moment in time. And I have to walk off the field yeah. and I have to go jump in an ice bath. I still have to go shower and then get ready the next day, do recovery. And we have Monday and we're preparing for South Africa again. Mm. So like your life just still goes on. Yeah. And... <clears throat> I wasn't so heavily heavily invested in the result of that. And this is, again, touches on something we spoke about before. It's like that journey of where I was at, mm. I'm still going. That wasn't the finish line. So yeah. if I was kicking that and sailing off into the sunset, hey, maybe. Yeah. But it wasn't life wasn't stopping or finishing there for me making that kick. Mm. But, I mean, when it does go over, though, is, what's the feeling? Like, obviously, the feeling is elation, but like we spoke about it before was it a almost a such a personal reward and a realization of like this is the result of making the changes a few years ago or at all or was it just elation pure elation bro it was like honestly it wasn't even either like really? I, I i kicked it and as soon as I, I i started running into the ball i just uh, for some reason i just my run up everything just every step just felt perfect yeah and i hit the ball and I just knew, bro. And I was sort of like, there's a moment, and I'm not sure if you see it, but like I sort of like just close my eyes and I just look up and I'm like, I knew that that moment was just bigger than like 
wasn't just about me, right? Mm. So for me, it was more so about that whole story of like what I had gone through and everything. And to know that like, say even my little brother, mm. I said to him, he's got his trial with my club in Japan. And when we started training with me through COVID, um, he, he got really fit and strong. And I said, bro, just cause you're fit and strong now, don't expect that you're gonna get an opportunity. Mm. I said, that might come now, but it might come in two, three years. We don't know. Yeah. But if you can make this your lifestyle and you, and in two years, excuse me, that opportunity comes and you're ready, hey, you're going to take it. Yeah. And this was the exact same thing. So for me, it just felt like there's other people that will see the story and they'll see it for the kick. Mm. But then there'll be people who see it and go, like I seen him go through like this and yeah. this. And then tomorrow he's still showing up. You know what I mean? So yeah. that was the main thing for me is when the kick was sailing through, the boys are jumping on me. Mm. And I was just like, okay, I still got to go recover and do this. So it went through my head. But yeah. like, yeah, of course, like I was I was happy mm. because you could see what it meant to everyone else. Yeah. But again, like you flip that over and if, if your focus is on what it means for everyone else or what it means to yourself, I miss that kick and everyone's upset. Yeah. So yeah. then now that hits me even more like a ton of bricks. So you... You got to realize and be able to work out. Yeah, if, like great feelings are great, bad feelings they can be harsh too. But try and just find that middle zone where it's mm. like, yo, I'm I'm happy that I got that kick. Yeah. Um, but if I missed it, I probably would still feel the same. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure, for sure, because it's uh, you've done all the preparation, 100 yeah. percent correct. So you can't change the outcome. It, the outcome is the outcome, correct? Right. And so that's where I find for <laughs> me is my fight and my challenge and my game day is in every training session. Mm. And like, if I was to break this down, like let's just make these quick numbers though. Like you're 365 days in a year. I would say that we would train for at least 250 of those, right? Mm. And in a calendar year, you only play like 30 games max. Mm. So 15 for the Wallabies and 15 for your club, thereabouts. Mm. Um, I only played like five for the Wallabies last year. Mm. Um, but so if I train for 250 to 300 days at a high level for 30 games, mm. like which one's more important? Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, so if I'm showing up Monday and then if we break that down from days to sessions, the sessions be up around five, 500. Mm. So if you're doing 500 sessions, for 30 games that are 80 minutes long. Yeah. Now you tell me which one's more important. Yeah, which one sure. should you be putting your focus and emphasis on? Yeah. Because a lot of athletes I speak to talk about, oh, you know, like, I'm just going to try and freshen up for the game. Mm. It's like, what do you mean freshen up for the game? Like, so you're not going to do this session? Mm. Or, yeah, I'm going to coast through this session, not do this one because I want to be right, like, and sparkly and fresh for this game. Mm. And it's like, bro, like, get to a point where, hey, this is your game. And if I'm, if I'm getting through all of these, and yeah, you might have bad training days or lower level training yeah. days, um, but they just all accumulate. It's just too much here that outweighs the 30 games here. And yeah. as I said, I only played in five of them last year. So mm. I had like six games for my club because mm. our season was only six games long. And then six, five games for the Wallabies. Mm. So like my 250 <coughs> days yeah. training for... Um, 11 games or whatever for 11 games i'm yeah. like you know what i mean so yeah, it's like that yeah. it massive yeah the time so spent is is in the in the training really. exactly bro and, and that goes back to the the journey and the process mm. so and that that's how you break down 
the journey and process versus the destination. Mm. Because if you're making those 30 games your destinations, mm. it's like, oh, fuck. Like, if you lose that game, you're so upset and you're so dwell on it because there's only um, 29 more. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then it's like, now, if your team's not doing great, let's say you lose 15 of those. Mm. Yeah. Now what? Like, yeah. you, you're just beating yourself up every yeah. day and that's when you start getting into that well, point of your training too then well i hate you'll hate training yeah because you're so focused on that feeling those endorphins from winning the game yeah that you need rather than bro win training yeah 100 do your weight session like turn up to that weight session and lift well mm. every day yeah um and then when there's a day that you don't lift well okay well like what's the percentage if you out of 300 if you had 10 bad sessions yeah it's like nothing it's like this you yeah. know what i mean that would be like having a bad quarter in a game mm. yeah 100 percent. um did it feel uh, you probably didn't really maybe you did but did it feel good to the love that you received from australia though? like how many people were happy for you because like that like i was happy we won for sure yeah. great but i was more happy for you like i was sitting there going fuck what a journey this bloke's been on bro for sure i think that that feeling and reciprocation um, from the public was more so like, again, for me, it didn't necessarily feel like it was about kicking the goal. Like yeah. that was the conversation starter. A lot mm. of people came up to him and were like, mate, like I followed your career and you're always super talented, but I follow you on social media and stuff. And I see the work that you put in. I see yeah. the, um, what you've been through, things like that. And that to me was like, Oh, that means well. And they, were, they would speak about their own journeys mm. or their their child's journey mm. um, and sort of how much that example um, was used on them, you know. So that for me was probably the most rewarding part of, of the whole journey mm. um, up until this day. It was like a um, shift from being like a player who, who people just love to watch a highlight and mm. you either loved or hated me mm. to people saying, hey, you've like inspired me in my life. Yep. Um, and it's not just about moments on the field of, oh, you did this, you did that. It's just about, hey, like your journey has inspired me through my own um, like tough times and, and mm. stuff like that. So that that was like a, a great feeling. And, yeah, I, I guess the Australian public um, kind of like rallied behind myself and, and probably the team at, at, sure. that, at that stage, you know. Massively. Um, it's just such a, a full circle moment. You go from kind of like the golden child that had – this crazy potential but people were almost like oh he could have been this for us for sure. but he didn't t and then you come back and then you become that yeah it's just uh, it was incredible bro so good and and that's that's the thing bros because like as as you said it was like when i was younger i kind of just disrespected my talent mm. because it was like it kind of just came easy to me mm. and yeah so it was like that whole full circle um transition and the reason why I guess I'm proud of that for myself is that it goes back to that whole journey that I went on, mm. you know, so I, I figured it all out for myself and how to be better as a, as a man, mm. which coming back and playing rugby is just a small part of me. You know what I mean? So yeah. it wasn't like, where's the reverse when I was younger, mm. that was my whole identity. And yeah. it was like, I need to do things amazing in these games for people to love me. Yeah. And so then if I didn't do amazing things, they hate you. Yeah. You know, so, but that's where I found my like value and my worth. Every single Queensland celebrations right now has bloke on special. So if you're in Queensland, you want a case of bloke, head into your local celebrations. If they don't have it, it's sold out or just ask them politely, can you order some bloke beer? 
getting your local celebrations in Queensland. Grab a case of bloke. Let's get back to the chat. But yeah, take us back to a, a young fella, mate. Obviously, it says you were born in Auckland. Um, born in Auckland? Yeah, I was born there. But you lived south? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Tukuro, which is like a, a small um, town in the South Waikato. And um, Ice was one of my best mates. Yeah. So me and him were best mates growing up. As I said, my, my cousin, uh, Sean Maitland, um, was like the, the third guy hanging out with us. And yeah. then um, man, you had some... Some epic rugby players come from Tukuro with Richard Kahui, Kev Mialamu, mm. um, just to name a couple. But there's been some awesome female um, athletes as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a cool little town. What was it like growing up? Like, was it tough or you, you didn't really notice it? You just enjoyed it? Like, what was it? Yeah, like, the, the thing is, bro, it's, it's like, it's a tough place to grow up. But when when you grow up and you're from there, yeah. like, you just don't know anything yeah. else. Yeah. So, it's like, you don't know that it's tough or whatever. But... I just, I'm so grateful for growing up there because like we we never went without anything. Mm. You know, we come from a very poor family and stuff like that, but the whole community was was good and um, you know it was it was fun because so Ice's dad was our our coach yeah. um, and he treated us like professional footballers really? before professional sport was sort of a thing. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for kids. Yeah. And um, I saw I say this on a. Um, on a reel or something on his on his Instagram the other day, and it was talking about um, he had ten balls at his disposal. Mm. So he'd just go to the school, and he lived right next door to the school, and he'd yeah. just go there and kick. So his repetition and stuff like that, he just had so much more reps than everyone else. Yeah, and he was a freak. And um, so I'd just be with him every day as well. Yeah, and his dad would take us on these long runs. He'd drive his ute no and way. run out to the mill, which was like fuck, it was a big run. Yeah, and we'd just have to run there. <laughs> and just things like that, man. Yeah. You're talking about like eight, nine-year-old kids doing like like fitness. full fitness yeah. road runs. He'd have the cones out on the field. You know, we'd get there before <laughs> training because he's the coach. Mm. He'd have cones out. We'd be doing like running, passing drills, things like this yeah, as, yeah. as young kids, man. But it was it was a fun place to grow up. We always got up to mischief, and I was probably the most mischief out of all of us. Oh, yeah, really? like, yeah. <laughs> you had Ice, who was like, he was a smart ass of a kid. Yeah, but he never really got up to any sort of bad stuff you yeah. know then there was my cousin sean he's just the most innocent like well-behaved kid yeah his mum's super disciplined um then there was me who <laughs> like you know i would just leave the house and not come back till night time you know <laughs> i just didn't really have much many rules yeah um and so i'd always be out exploring i had a little motorbike and stuff yep. like this and we'd double like three or four of us out to my cousin's house who lived on a farm and you've yep. got to go along the the highway to get out there. So like just things like that, man. Like when yep. you're a kid, you, like if I had my little brother, he's 18 and I'd still be like, bro, oh, he's 20 now. But when he was 18 or 16, I'd be like, bro, you're not doing that. Like yeah. there's no chance that you're riding a motorbike. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like eight, nine, 10. Yeah. Far out. So it was a whole different world growing up it's, like that. It's like interesting how like, you you be to your bro like 16 years old you're not riding a motorbike or whatever oh, for sure but at the same time i'm sure you're probably like grateful for that freedom 100 percent. growing up yeah being able to do stuff like that yeah and growing up like that like as i said so my my younger brothers and sisters like i, I freak out at them doing stuff my little nephews and, and niece and stuff whereas everything i did <laughs> like man even my sisters had different rules like yeah because I was a boy mm. so I just got to go out and do whatever and like mm. so many dangerous things and that but we lived this life and we learned like sort of street 
streetwise and street smarts at mm. such a young age, you know. Yeah. And you know, some of my friends that I've had over here or partners over over the years, you just look at how they sort of grown up and they're not necessarily street smart, yeah, but yeah. they're super smart people. But yeah. then it's like some of the things that you see and you notice certain vibes, yeah, certain yeah scenarios, exactly. You're like, Bro, something's going like, on. You need to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Um, it was it was a great place to grow up, bro. Mm. Yeah, it's it's so true. Like if you haven't experienced that growing up, you really get like you are so surprised at how oblivious some people can For be sure. to some crazy situations. Yeah. They, they just have got no idea what's going on, and you're going, bro. Like. And see, and as you said, like with the vibe of people, mm. like I I swear I pick up on like body language, people's energy. Mm. Um, like I notice it, you know, because it's like just being around that like being at parties and you see someone just yeah, acting a bit weird and you're 100%. like oh that energy's towards me yeah you know yeah. and then it's like um so even as i go into like football those sort of like growing up in that way kind of helps you out like in environments like a footy environment yeah. because it's literally a big boys club you know yeah. um but yeah like again so my uncle was um sean's dad was at my coach for rugby mm. and isaac's dad was my league coach yeah so it was cool even being able to grow up like that play rugby saturdays leagues sunday mm. um and just play as much sport, like sport and took it all mm. was basically all you had so yeah. it was like you got touch monday monday wednesday you got league and rugby training tuesday thursday and then you have something on friday yeah saturday rugby sunday league mm. so and it was just like and I always encourage every, like all my nieces and nephews to play as many sports as they can. Yeah. Just because I think from a social point of view, mm. you get social skills playing sport, but also just if you end up focusing on one thing, that might not be what your DNA is best matched. You yeah, know? So. for sure. And, and then, like there's so many skills you can learn from different sports right, that sure. you can transfer in. 100%. Um, so, so basically from a young age, like at what age did it start becoming apparent to you that like, I might be. I've got a bit of talent. I, like I'm putting myself standing out yeah. to my age group, kind of thing. Um, bro, like the honest answer with that is like, from as far as I can remember, I always thought I was going to be a, a professional rugby player, mm. and doesn't mean that the um, the journey from there was smooth sailing, yeah. but it was just like for some reason there was something, and I just knew that that's what I was going to do. Mm. Um, so like. It'd be a team that you had like a, a rep team and i'd make that rep team or if i missed out on it i would like work so hard i'd be at the training i'll go to training store mm. and then i'll get picked in the team because oh, i was wow. just you know what i mean so yeah. it was like there was there was no no for me like it was a relentless drive like yeah it was just like stop. but without and that wasn't like something that i was like okay just turn up to training and you'll get picked mm. like it was just like well i just wanted to be there and play footy because that's all I wanted to do yeah okay so there was this thing in the back of my head that was like you're gonna be a footballer I had no ifs or buts about it mm. and I remember having that conversation with my mum she was like you you ought to get a job I was about um, 15 and I was gonna turn 16 and she said I need you to start looking for a job because when you turn 16 you have to pay board mm. I was like mum I'm not gonna work I told you I'm gonna be a rugby player and she always used to say it to me son you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. You need a plan B. And I'd always be like, yeah, plan B is be a football player. <laughs> yeah. And so she would like, oh, like kind of get upset with me. Yeah, for sure. And then so I remember when I got my first contract, 
um, just as I turned 16. And I was like, remember showing it to her and being like, she was like, oh, whatever, you know? So yeah, it was yeah. like when I kind of like made it, mm. um, but like that's not even really making it, but it's just like first step. got to a point, yeah, where it was like, hey, this is all happening. It's an actual possibility. Yep. So there's a piece of paper that's telling you that you have the opportunity and we're going to work with you for the next two or three years. Yeah. Um, Who was it with? Uh, the Reds. The Reds. So I had like a, a few um, league offers and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It was like, I didn't want to move away. And I think the first one was Penrith. Um, but I just didn't want to move away from my family. Yeah. Um, and I think it would have been for like some SG ball sort of stuff. Yeah. I can't remember um, that long ago. Mm. Um, there was Western Force and the Brumbies. Yep. And I remember, so again, kind of goes back to my attitude, was like, I looked at the Western Force and they had um, Gits there. Mm. Um, the Brumbies had um, Stephen Larkham. Mm. And then the Reds had um, Beric Barnes. And Great I was, Beric Barnes. Yeah, but see, like for me, um, I was just like, if I'm going to go head to head with someone yeah. that I think I can beat, mm. like at this age, well, I think I'm like... I have better skill set than him and yeah. things like this. I only say the great Barry Barnes because he was at Clydesdale <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. when I was at the Broncos. Like he, he used to kill it in league. Like he right. was the next he was the next big thing at the Bronx. And that was a thing. I didn't actually know who he was. Oh, I swear. So like at the time. But he was one of the best blokes you ever met. Just yeah, super legit. like, man, you talk about work ethic. Yeah. That dude. Smart like, dude. Yeah. Smart like, dude. Just an awesome dude. Yeah. Like he helped me out a, a hell of a lot, especially in my early years. Mm. Um and then he left to the Waratahs yep. um, later on in, in his career. But I was like, okay, because he was young coming in. Mm. So I was like, I'm a fair bit young. I was like three years younger, I think. Yeah. Or maybe four. But I was like, okay, he's young coming in and he's come from league. Mm. Larkham is Larkham. Yeah. Gits is Gits. Yeah, like yeah. They're, one's the highest paid, the other one's the one of the best five eights to play for the country. Yeah. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I got to take on this young dude. That's how I'm gonna get my like. That's how I'm gonna prove and get my start. Yeah. And so that's sort of why I chose the Reds. And also, I just didn't want to move away from home. Mm. So I'd just done that when I was younger, and I I didn't really cope too well at the time. Mm. Like I, I moved out of home very young, and I was very independent. Like I was saying, like I, I was never at home when I was a young kid. Yeah. But moving away from my family was just a whole nother thing. Um, so yeah, so I ended up signing with the Reds and- So did you move, so you, you moved out of home in your hometown? No, nah, so yeah, well, when we are in Tukuroa, um, I moved to Brisbane mm. to live with my auntie. Yeah, okay. And I was uh, 13, turning 14. Okay, so you'd experience yeah, missing was, your family. Yeah, I was super young too. Yeah. But like, again, I got there and I was fine. Like yeah. I had a good time in that. Mm. But yeah, I was so used to having my family, but I also got in, was getting in a little bit of trouble too. Like nothing bad. Yeah. It was just like, I was just, um, the same things that I was doing in New Zealand, mm. like roaming around and just yeah. like um, wagging school and stuff yeah. like this. You do that in Australia, it's, like, it's a fair bit different, you know? Yeah, like, especially like in Brizzy yeah, built up big city in there. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, so well, yeah. Wagging school, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days, bro. Yeah. Take me back to just a young innocent man. That's just the only worry I have is if the principal's going to know that I wasn't at school. 100%, bro. Man, we used to wear school so much, but... um, <laughs> oh. Don't listen to that, kids. Stay in school. <laughs> yeah, do for you, sure. Do your study. It's not a good thing. Um, okay, so, so so when that red sign, you, did they say you can stay for a year and develop? 
So basically, I was in high school. Um, so my contract started like grade 12, which was 2006. Um, so yeah, like I, I literally would, my, I was on scholarship. Mm. And so I, when we had under 16 um, national championships, um, so that was, I was playing for Queensland. We go down to Riverview and you play against all the schools and whatnot. Um, I got a scholarship from there. Um, some of the Australian rugby scouts sort of got me and Michael O'Connor mm. um, was the talent ID guy at the time. Him and Paul Crozer. And so they came to my house, spoke to my mum and said, basically, choose a school that you want to go to. And it was mm. like TSS, TSS. Um, Nudgy and Churchy. And so Nudgy was like, I'll probably have to board because it's so far away. TSS, yeah. I definitely have to board. Yeah. And Churchy, I was like, I can just get the bus there. And so I ended up choosing Churchy and we won. I was there with um, Dave Pocock and we won a premiership there. Um, but I would go, so the following year when I started with the Reds, like properly, I would go to training in the morning, so like seven to nine. Um, then I'd, I'd get changed into my school uniform and I'd like, I never used to want to get changed in the locker room mm. because all the boys getting changed and then I'd be putting school uniform on and you know those yeah, yeah. private school uniforms, the hat and everything. And 100%, be, ah. button up shirt, ties. Yeah, yeah so I'll be outside trying to get changed quickly so no one see and then I'd just walk up to the bus stop. Yeah. And the boys would drive past, beep out, and, mate, you want to ride? Kid, you want to ride? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, no, 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 all good. All you good. know, just real shy and that. So, yeah, yeah that, that's sort of how that come about. And then... Um, Do you remember, like, you rock up to your first professional setup? In, would say you with the first grade squad at this stage? Yeah. What was the feeling like in regards to the intensity, the standard, oh, all that kind of stuff? The thing was, it was, it was, like, it's hard to sort of answer that because... I'd been in the squad in that for like two or three years. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? So I was there in 2005 when Wendell was there. But I, like I wouldn't like participate fully because I was too young. So they just kind of like kept you around. Yeah, so I'd just go join and like, and yep. yeah, I remember doing this and um, Big Dale will probably have a laugh at this. Um, <laughs> I was sort of kicking the ball around, just mucking around on the end goal while they were doing 15 on 15. And I kick the ball up, and I kick it up, and it comes off the side. I was trying to do a spiral bomb. Yep. It comes off the side of my foot, and then there's this car parked, like basically on the field, sort of thing. <laughs> oh. And it goes up, and I'm watching. I'm like, oh shit, it's gonna hit this car. And I'm like, fuck. And then it lands like right next to it, hits the fence, yep. makes a big noise, and he like walks over. Who the fuck did that? Big um, Dell, yeah, he's a fucking big boy. And he bro. was like, and you know his energy in that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Man, he's just walking around and he's huge. I'm going, <laughs> oh shit. And he calls me out. He's like, is that you? And I'm like, oh yeah. And then he just has a laugh with me. But I was like, I honestly thought he was gonna throw down with me. You yeah, know? yeah. And then that's uh, his vo- like he's almost trolling to it. Yeah, well he's just trolling me. Yeah, bro. yeah. But as a young kid, you fuck. Yeah, and then he's sort of called me out. And he's like, oh, I heard that you're like. You know, pretty good, like you're a bit of a superstar. You think you're the man, yeah. sort of thing. And I was yeah. like, oh, oh this is, this is, I don't know, like, <laughs> maybe yeah, whatever you, yeah, like. And he's like, all right, let's go. Show me your step. No way. Yeah, and he sort of calls me out, and I'm, but I'm too shy. And I'm like, oh, like, no, nah, I don't want to step him, or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, full, like, marking me up. Yeah. And say, like, yeah, there's the outline, sort of thing, and mm. standing in front of me, this big dude. So I sort of try and step him, but I'm like. And really, because I was just a bit awkward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bro. So, like, I was in and around that team and for a while. it's all about respect, too. Like, you, For you, sure, bro. He's like, when like, he's, Yeah, he's, win- like, to me, 
I'm like, I shouldn't even be talking to him. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And like going through, like sort of then you come through and it was like, you only sp- spoke to them if they spoke to you. Absolutely. You know what Absolutely. I mean? So like then. A little bit different now, but back yeah, then, bro. A lot different now, but it was, so it was still quite intimidating. Mm. Um, and he's quite being friendly to me. You yeah. Know? And so I was just still shitting myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I was in and around that team. So then when I actually came in um, 2006, when I played my first game, mm. Like I've been around those guys for ages. Mm. Um, so they've done a real good job at integrating you slowly rather yeah, than just yeah. rocking up. Because like a lot of rookies rock up out of school and it's it's like such a culture shock that the standards, the amount of training you got to do, they're not ready for it. And yeah. they get broken in the first preseason. Yeah, and then sure. you work out who's made of it and who's not made exactly, of it. Exactly, man. But, and that was, I was the only one who was doing that though. Yeah, okay. Um, so for the rest of the guys who are my age and that who came through, they had a bit of a tough run. Yeah. So a lot of the... Um, boys that I won the premiership with like when you talk to them about their early years yeah. it was a lot harder like it's a lot different to what I saw yeah. because they were quite nice to me because I met them a fair bit yeah. but also probably the position that I played mm. um, being a fly half yeah. um, you know so yeah it was, it was a good integration then I went and played my first game in Japan yeah. um, for the Reds against Japan I think we beat them then um, so was this was this a trial match or was this a debut? Uh, so you back then it was like you could play. F- it wasn't a Reds cap, so you yeah. got a Queensland cap, and then you had like Super Rugby caps. Okay. So that was my first Queensland cap where I actually got the cap. Yeah. Um, but it was and it was because it was against an international team. It counts as a as a cap. Okay. What do you remember? Was it expected, unexpected? Did it, like, do you remember getting the phone call or sitting down in the office? Yeah, like I, I knew I was going to play in that game because yeah. the the year before that, in two thousand five, um, they were going to take me on the tour to Argentina. Um, but there was a rule that came in then, which was like if you were under eighteen mm-hmm. in rugby, you weren't allowed to play. But it was like if you got picked in a test match, you could play. It was a real weird thing. So Super Rugby in that, because yeah. I remember <coughs> David Pocock was supposed to debut for the force but he was still 17 mm. and then there was this massive thing that happened and then they changed the, the rule because it was like it just didn't make sense yeah you're old enough to play test match footy mm. but you couldn't play super rugby yeah so cool. yes yeah, so i was g- gonna go on that tour but i didn't end up going and then um i went um on the japan tour mm. so it was exciting like yeah i don't really remember how i feel because it was kind of like i was sort of saying to you I kind of expected it. Yeah. And that was my mindset was like, I would have remembered how I felt if I didn't get chosen. But getting picked, it was kind of like, oh yeah, like I, well, I should get picked. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I kind of like had natural that. progression of what you've been doing the exactly, last Exactly, bro. And everything like, so you, you go and play first of thing, then you get picked for Queensland, then you get picked for Australian schoolboys. It's like a progress progression. Yeah. So, which you kind of expect. Yeah. And then when you start to, when you start to, expect things that's where you kind of fall into a few traps as well um it's not until you get older you appreciate how i mean obviously you worked extremely hard but how fortunate you were like you didn't you weren't injured you had people that really rated you the way you played kind of thing for sure whereas you're right like when you're younger it's almost like i should already be there like (laughs) why not like i'm like just from personal experience like i was wigging out because i hadn't debuted as a teenager yet and and i'd only been playing rugby league for two years like so I can only imagine yourself. It's almost like you're in a rush to get there. Yeah, bro. Well, that, like I had signed a contract, you know mm. what I mean? So it was like, oh, well, 
I'm going to play. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and if, if I don't play, well, what's going on? What's doing it? Yeah. You know, so, yeah. But it's, it's funny you mentioned that, bro, because it's like everything as, as a kid is like a rush. Like, you're like, I have to get there. And I remember, I remember um, Dan Carter. Yeah. Like, he played, I think he was like 19, 20 maybe? I think, or 21, sorry. When he debuted, I have to check that fact that when he debuted for the All Blacks. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, so Dan Carter, fuck, like, that's the benchmark. You yeah. got to. So then it was like my whole motivation at that time was to try and play for Australia or play Super Rugby while I was at high school. And then, wow. and I'd seen Benji do it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if I don't do it, then I'm not as good as him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was like there was so much comparison, but I remember doing those things. Yeah. Like, and sure. working it out, like getting Dan Carter's age. Okay, boom, boom, boom. All right, sweet. If I get to this at this age, then I'm. I've done it. Yeah, yeah. You know, or then, and so then I debuted at um, twenty. Yeah. Um, for Wallabies. Yeah, for the Wallabies. Yeah. Um, and I debuted at, I think I can't remember if I was seventeen or eighteen, two thousand six for for the Reds. Do you remember um, the the feeling of that debut for the Reds, or was it is it just a blur to you? No, I definitely remember that um, because it was kind of that moment where, and again, I don't know if this is just as a kid you try and build it up to be something because yeah. I, I thought that like those things were supposed to be special because mm. you you hear it whenever you hear someone speak on on the television or something like that in an interview they're like oh the feeling when I got caught up and said that I was going to play I didn't really have that but I was kind of like Shit, yeah okay I was building it up for myself yeah um and then it was like oh yeah Suncorp playing at the stadium and things like that but then when we ran out for our first game like this was when the Reds were trash mm and the stadium had like and at the time 20,000 people wasn't much because you know, you're watching Broncos games yeah. of 45 yeah. like basically sellouts every week mm. so I was like in some ways kind of disappointed right because yeah. I got out here and I was like because you'd imagined that big stadium full exactly constantly and that, and that was like my like yeah. um how I interpreted what my debut should have been yeah and and that goes back and sort of shows you how egotistic I would have been at that time to mm. think that it was going to be special because I was playing. Yeah. Uh, you know, is it? You know what I mean. So like, yeah. I get out there and it was still so much fun. I scored a try. Mm. Uh, Will scored a try. Um, so I had so much fun, and then just got schooled by Andre Pretorius, who was like the South African number ten. Yeah. And so we were winning the game, and we probably should have won it. When I look back at that game, I remember just we're under pressure stuck in our corner and he was just putting left foot torps right foot torps and just pinning us in our corner for like yeah. the last 10 minutes and we were up on the scoreboard and we just couldn't get out of there because yeah. will's throwing the ball back to me i'm trying to kick it out of yeah. there like shanking these kicks into the <laughs> stands like and they just put the pressure on us and they end up winning the game bro it's that experience bro exactly just man building pressure building he just pressure. and I, I couldn't work <laughs> it out how he was doing it because i was yeah. like it just felt like every time we got the ball i was standing on my end goal yeah um, but yeah, like that again. It was it was such a cool experience. But that year for me, like when I think back to that year, it should have been this exciting year where um, you know your dreams are all coming true. But it was like this weird type of blur because we were going so bad mm. um, at the time, and every week we we're just getting pumped. But mm. like to me, I was still having so much fun. But you can't show that you know what i mean yeah, so it was 100%. like this really awkward because you're in your first year like life's yeah. incredible you can't believe it but you're getting pumped so you're yeah. not allowed to be rolling around exactly celebrating. like for me as a young kid getting paid money yeah. to come and play rugby 
and all your bonuses like you're hitting these bonuses so you're getting more money and mm. it's like they're just giving you money to play yeah um but then we're getting smacked every week so it was just like this really weird like whenever i sit sit down and think back to that year it was just this real mix of emotions where yep. i probably didn't even know how to deal with it because it mm. was like i wanted to do certain things i wanted to go out and enjoy i wanted to party after but we'd get banned from going and drinking so then we'd be like, oh, I want to go. So we'll sneak out and drink. Because, yep. you know, it's just yeah. young kids. Well, you just you want to celebrate the achievements. Yeah, you know? every and game, like just yeah. being out in the field. Well, it's like. funny you say that because um, I'm don't. i not sure if you remember it. I don't know whether you won or you snuck out. I'm not going to snitch on you. <laughs> <that. laughs> but I remember seeing it. We, I saw, met you first at the Normby, mm. 2008. And ever since then, like whenever someone like, you know, we might talk about yourself or whatever, I'm yeah. like, bro, I've met him like years and years ago. And like, you know, sometimes you meet people that are guns, <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, bruh, relax, like, yeah, you're yeah, fucking yeah for Derek. sure, like, just chill yeah. out. But I just was so impressed by how, oh, man. how how humble you were and how well we got along. And so ever since then, I've always said, bruh, he's a fucking legend, like, yeah. he's a legend. And it's just from that one meeting. Bruh, but I remember those things. They're like, so we'd always bump into you guys at the um, Normby, at the Normby, the great Normby. And like, I feel like I got along so well with you boys and yeah. that. And it was like, um. Again, because I sort of come through as a league player yeah. as well, yeah. And so, like, I loved league. Yeah. I can't. I wanted to play league so bad, mm. um, but it just wasn't like I was doing my thing in, in rugby and sort of yeah. getting through that journey. So it's it's funny that you mentioned that, like, going through the Normby and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of memories from <laughs> there. <laughs> and these are like Broncos glory days. Too. Yeah, for sure. Just come off a of premiership, 2008. We probably could have got close. Um, but yeah, I, I still remember to this day, fucking at the Normby having a chat to you and, and just like, as I said, sometimes you can meet some f young fellas that are killing it and you're like, oh man, like, yeah. bruh, bro, you were killing it though. <laughs> well, I hope I wasn't a dickhead. But. No, no, no. So, no you, <laughs> to be fair, honestly, like, I, I remember someone saying like, oh, because you were killing it, bro. Like you were like lighting it up every week and then like a few boys, like, oh, he's, he's, he's I don't know, he's like this bit arrogant, things like this. And when I met you, and I was like, wow, this dude's the furthest thing from arrogant, you know? He's like... Mate, honestly, I don't know. Maybe it's just I would stand offish, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I still remember it, to, like, just specifically. Yeah. I specifically remember it. It was a good, a very good experience, bro. And as I said, like, any time we talk about you, it's funny right. how, like, if you just be good to one person... 100%, That bro. can just last for so long. Man, it's crazy, bro. Cause that's that's the world that we live in right mm. and like as a youngster you don't realize that so it's like all of our schoolmates at some point like let's say you're good friends they're going to be something in the future yeah and yeah. it's like so any person that you come across whether you treat them good or bad like that can definitely have a response directed at you yeah. in the future but it also right. can um like you might not ever see them again or cross paths mm. but it's like that's why for me now i try the best that i can um, to have a positive impact on just yep. when I meet people and, mm. and just be myself rather than, okay, because I used to feel like I had to be something. And so sometimes that was like, oh, try and what a superstar was supposed to be like, that's why I'll try and act like this. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. oh, you got to be hum like like this, humble like this. So I try and, whereas if you just be yourself mm. and if that's who you yeah. are, um, well, then it'll come across. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. So especially in our sport. Yeah, oh, bro, hundred percent, hundred percent. So you, you get through your first couple of years of um, Reds, you make your debut for Australia, two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. So that same year, that same year. Um, 
Do you remember how that all come about? Yeah, so like um, when we got the call up that we were going to come into the squad and that, and mm. like, but go on tour because I'd been in the squad in that like a fair few times. Yeah. Um, but this was like your coming in to go on tour like officially, and it was yep. like, oh, okay, now this is like legit. Yeah, and for me, like I was just like I wasn't sure if I was going to play or anything, but I was just I was excited, man. And mm. I remember when I got told I was going to play against Italy. We're sitting on the bench. And I actually didn't think I was going to get on because the game was tight. And I think we were losing. Um, like we were losing to Italy and, and Padova. Um, and it was like maybe 20 minutes to go. So I thought, oh, we're not going to get on because yeah. they're just going to keep all of us, like that they said we're going to debut off Yeah, because we, we don't want to lose this game. And then, um, yeah, the manager's like, Quaid, Quaid, oi. And then I, I ignored him the first time because I was like, shitting myself really yeah because i went oh fuck it's happening <laughs> and i was like i don't want to go on because we're losing and you don't want to stuff up yeah and i was like, like i don't want to screw up yeah, and yeah. like fuck do i know the plays oh yep. shit <laughs> and then he's like yelled at me get up and I stood up I'm like, fuck. and then i was like wanted some of the other boys to come with me <laughs> and he's like yeah and then he's called poey and some of the other boys mm. oh, so then i calmed down yeah but then the moment i ran onto the field I was like, nah, this is easy. Yeah. Like, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the it's your job, bro. The worst part, the worst place to sit is on the bench. Yeah. And it's like you you're watching people run and you see hits and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can take those. You know what 100%. I mean? Like you're thinking they look harder. They look, and then when you're on the field, someone know. runs into you or tackles you, get straight back. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like it's, sure. it's such a a weird feeling. Bro, I watch NRL now and I'm like, how did I do that? I don't yeah. know how I did that. You know what I mean? Fucking nice, oh, bro. bro. How the fuck did I do that? The size of these yeah, boys. Just the running into, oh, and it's man. like when you see someone now, like, I see some of the young NRL boys in that. They'll walk past, I'm like, fuck. Like, I don't know if I could tackle. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then when yeah. you're on the field. It's just different. Uh, um, and so what, what, what do, you, do you remember anything when you ran onto the field? Yeah, I just remember running on the field and um, I just got straight into it. But it was like so... I scored a try, which um, basically put us ahead in the game. Mm. And so then we end up winning the game. Mm. And the funny thing about that try is, like, I was telling Gitz not to pass me the ball. No way. Yeah, like, because there was, this, like, a play, and I was sort of like, it was just a brick wall. Yeah. And I was like, play them up, play them up, yeah. play them up. Whoa, you threw me the ball? <laughs> and he threw me the ball, and it was just like, Reaction. So I just caught it. Guy shot. I just stepped him, yep. ran through a space that um, Sterling Mortlock sort of hit into someone, and the guy tried to just go like sell a uh, penalty. Oh, yeah, the good old and sell. He sort of made another hole for me. So I stepped one guy, saw that hole, ran through it, stepped another, and the covering guy was coming. I stepped him and mm. scored the try. And like <coughs> the feeling, bro, yeah. like, you know, and that's what I said is like my whole life at that point was about those type of moments, like that was my dream. Yeah. And like, I remember scoring the try, boys jumping on me, went up uh, and going back, we win the game. And then um, Robbie, during the week, he come up to me, he's like, oh mate, that was a, that was a good try. Mm. And he goes, but, he goes, look, you can't just step, step, step everyone. Cause mm. at some point, someone's just gonna read that. So you gotta get used to stepping step and accelerate, go. Mm. Okay. You know, cause I would just go bang, bang, up, try and step more people almost like wait for them to yeah like i would want to step them. yeah because like, yeah. it was like you'd fool them but it was 
a bit of fun too yeah, but it was yeah. like i knew i could guarantee that i could step him yeah yeah but i didn't know if i could gas him yeah okay so <laughs> that would be like my yep. my stress yeah and i remember him saying that to me and it, it sort of sat in my mind and like i see guys now like in my own team um they'll like step 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 four people or something mm. and i'm like bro you just like ran away from all of us yeah no structure yeah everything's and now everything's up, yeah. thrown out yeah. like if you had gone step step and then accelerated you might have broke through, but you might you would have got tackled in a place that's like beneficial for us. Yeah. So my mindset, I'm like, I get what Robbie was sort of saying now. Yeah. Uh, which is weird, you know, because it's was like was that the time where you like a bit taken back? At I all? was pissed off. Yeah. Okay. I was like, bro, I just scored, and I know I can beat yeah. everyone. Scored the match winner. Yeah. Debut. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I remember just being like, but like, I was like, oh yeah, cool, cool. But I remember walking away like, I don't understand it. Yeah. Like, if if I can step the guy and score the try. Why not just do that rather than like try and go around him and him tackle me? Mm. Um, but like from the point of what what I guess what he was trying to get at was mm. what we just said is like hey, like at some point if you just keep stepping everyone, mm. like our team's got no idea where you're gonna go. Yep. And you, if you keep doing that, they're gonna start reading you and going okay. He never runs. He just always steps in, so I'll wait for him. And let's isolate him, especially exactly. in Union. Getting isolated is 100%, like bro, it's the worst, worst thing, thing we can do. And I only spent about three months in Union, so <laughs> it's coming from a fucking bum. Um, okay, so in 2009, so you, you debut 2008. Yeah. Um, and then you play, you play against France and Wales. And then, um, so we went Italy. Wales was our last game, I think. Wales, I came, I came <coughs> off the bench like a minute into the game, bro. Mm. Sterling Mortlock got, got knocked out. Okay. Had a head clash. Yep. And same sort of vibe, bro. Mm. I was like, I remember being on the bench and then got told, you're going on. Yeah. Like two minutes into the game. Wow. I was like, bro, like, <laughs> you sure? Like, put someone else on. <laughs> and got on the field, run on the field. And um, I remember making the call. Um, so I run in and I said, "Yo, here's the call." And like, well, the Welsh Stadium, Millennium Stadium, mm. um, is has a roof in that, mm. and their fans mm. like sell it out every time. But they sing it's so loud. Yeah. So I run on the field and I make a call, and boys like, "What?" And I'm like yelling, and then they're like, "Man, can't fuck." And then Gits walks over me and sprays me. Fucking can't hear you, mate. Like. Tell us what you and then I was like, pull my mouth guy and I yell back at him. He's like, that's better. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that nah, was a that was a fun game, right? Yeah. Like, and that to me was like, sort of a moment where I thought, okay, international rugby's not as like hard as what I thought. Like mm. that, it's sort of made out to be, if that yep. makes sense. Without sounding arrogant, it was more so like from the perspective of. Like there's not much difference from that in Super Rugby, but it's just the moments are much more fine, <coughs> mm. and the collisions are just that much heavier. You mm. know what I mean? So it was like, but I was expecting like to be on the field and be like, oh, "You're the worst player on the field." Yeah, overawed by the. Yeah, whole like that's how I I was expecting it to be, mm. but when I got on the field, it was like, "Hey, this is kind of it's not easy." By no means, but it was like, oh, it's not like they're not just in your face yep. every moment that you expect it. Cause and you've got quality around you too. Exactly, bro. So and that's they, the thing. They help your job. You've got the best players yeah. in the country mm. all around you. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there might be less time, but you actually have more time because these guys know exactly what they're doing or mm. where they're supposed to be, the ruck speed and everything. Everything's just so much easier for you. 
Um, and then so you played at Wembley the next game? Oh, yeah, that was for Barbarians. What? So we were yeah, Barbarians against uh, oh, Australia versus the Barbarians. Yeah. And that was like my first start. Yeah. And in Wembley. Yeah. That oh. was crazy. Think about um, a cute young fella from. It was like, well, that was the whole thing, right? Everyone was just like Wembley Stadium. Yeah. You know, this is like, and we got there, the ground was just like carpet. But the whole, like, whole environment, everything they, that it was meant to be, it, it was and more. Mm. Um, and then playing against the Barbarians is just like, because I, ne- I never played the All Blacks or anything like that at this mm. point. So you had like All Blacks in that team, like yeah. some just some of the best players from all over the world, mm. South Africans, um, the English, things like this, all in one team. And so when I grew up as a rugby fan, I loved watching Barbarian games because it was like that thing of watching fantasy teams. Mm. You had just the best players all yeah. come together. Yeah. So you know there'd be like Joan Lomu on the wing. Mm. It'd be um, you know then you get like of recent times like Brian Habana playing with Manonu things yeah. like this. So as as a fan of the game, being able to watch those, but then now come up against it, like, mm. man, I was I was in heaven at, at that point. Um, yeah. But I broke my finger in the game mm. um, leading up to it, so the game against Wales, and I thought I wasn't going to play because I. Literally couldn't catch a ball, had like um, a heap of stitches, the bone came out of the skin and that. And but I was like, nah, I've got to play this game. Yep. And I was like catching balls like oh, no. in my forearm and yep. like and it's shoveling always in passes. your head too, like you're yeah. always thinking about it. But I just didn't want to be left out of that game because yep. it was like my first start. Yep. So I was like, nah, like just inject it, do whatever, like yeah. I'm, I'm playing this game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, bro, that, that was like, a pretty cool moment, especially like on Wembley as well. Yeah, like Wembley Stadium. Far it's, out. It's, it's one of the best. Um, so 2000, was it 2009 that uh, New Zealand uh, tried to get you across the, the Warriors? Yeah. T- oh. Or New Zealand Rugby. Yeah, New Zealand Rugby, bro. Yeah. Um, so New Zealand Rugby sort of approached me 2009. And was and NRL clubs as well? Yeah, there's a few NRL yeah, clubs. Okay, so. Um, so that was like a decision period for me because um, I debuted for the Wallabies and mm. stuff like this. Um, and so everything was sort of falling together. Um, NRL clubs and some New Zealand clubs. And I was like, oh, yo, like um, some of these these clubs, I was like, this will be pretty cool to go back and, and play. Um, but, but with that, I just didn't want to leave Australia. Mm. I just didn't want to leave my family and like, Everything that I had done sort of coming through was with um, all the guys that I was now playing with at the Reds, now playing with at the Wallabies, like they were my mates, and that, you know? So like yeah. you play under 16s, high school, all that sort of stuff. And for me, like I, I'm, I was always quite like a shy person. Mm. So going into a new situation for me was like quite scary. Mm. Um, like it was quite daunting. So I, I'd always avoid those sort of situations. Yep. Like even in social situations mm. like going to a new school i was like nah like i hated the fact like even when i started at churchy i didn't want to go to school because i just didn't want to have to try and find new friends or mm. walk around <laughs> at lunchtime on my own you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. and everyone's sort of looking at you, oh, who's this bloke who's a new guy kind of yeah. yeah so like i was really quite socially like scared of those situations so when i looked at going to rugby league at that young age um to rugby union in New Zealand, the reason why I sort of stayed was because I was comfortable where I was, and yep. I was like, 
And which is now you look back on that, it doesn't mean that that's a, a good or bad thing, you know? Like it's like being uncomfortable is a way of, of growth. Mm. Um, but yeah, I ended up just staying here just for those simple reasons. Yeah. Obviously, you grew up playing league. <laughs> when was the most serious time that you really considered coming to league? Oh, like, so when, I think it was 2009, mm. um, and we are just going through sort of renegotiation on my contract, and um, or maybe it was 10. I think it was 2010. And like I had a, an epic year with the Reds, and I, I loved that we were playing epic footy. I was starting for the... Um, Wallabies and everything, and the the eels came came to me, and so <laughs> I had a few meetings. Like after I had this initial initial chat with them, I met with them, and so then I was down in Wallaby camp, and they come pick me up from my hotel to drive out to Parramatta to go have a have a look at the facility, and no one knew about it, mm. and. <coughs> So what happened was, and I was like, man, no one can know about this. I don't want anyone to find out because yep. I'm in camp and we have a game basically <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so he's picked me up. We've driven out there. And basically the, the amount of money um, that was on offer, like I'm like, yeah, I'm signing. Like basically I was like, and speaking to Coda and he was like, bro, like we said, like they came to the table and they, they came to us with that amount. Yeah. We didn't even have to negotiate. Yeah, wow. So it was like, okay, yeah, like, I'm going to sign. So we basically agreed to go there. Like, I'm driving in the car, talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm keen. Like, I'm definitely going to come, mm. so forth. Um, we get to the stadium to go look around the facilities, and they're sort of showing me where I'll most likely live and everything like that. And um, then as I'm about to get out of the car, like, some journos and that oh. sort of come, and I, like, Shit myself and I back out of it. I jump in the car and I'm like, oh, bro, I've got to go home. Like, take, take me back. Yep. I'm ringing code. I'm like, bro, like, this is going to be in the paper tomorrow. And he was like, he was pretty pissed off too. Because he was like, in some ways, that's kind of like forcing my hand. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And yeah, it's a, it's a tactic. Yeah, it's a tactic way. of, yep. and so this was kind of before that stuff was happening a lot. Because mm. like, you think 2010, like, that's when it was kind of just becoming like mainstream type, like, Using like, the media, yeah, for an you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. and where athletes were kind of becoming like um, people, like in the community, like that were celebrities rather yeah. than just athletes. Mm. And so this kind of like made me feel, um, I guess, that used mm. in some ways. But also them trying to force my hand to make a decision, which I had already basically made the decision that mm. I wanted to come. Mm. I just didn't like how that sort of sat, yeah. and I got back to the hotel. It was like pretty much a done deal. Um, yeah, that was that was how that all sort of transpired. And then I ended up going inside and um, we get on the phone to Coda and that. And then the ARU obviously kind of find out about it. And then we end up having a conversation. And mm. then they agree to pay me basically the same, a little bit more than what I was getting from um, the Eels. Mm. And I end up staying. And then rest was kind of history because it went on to 2011 yeah you know we won the comp and stuff like that but i i always have that in the back of my mind where i'm like man i, I was that close like i was literally agreed when that media stuff happened mm. i felt and i've always been like this as a person as i've never liked 
people trying to force me to do things yeah, like okay. and so it felt like that was that was probably the main thing that made me turn my back to it because it mm. was just like you try to push me into a corner like yeah, this yeah. you know and i'm like I'm, I'm not gonna allow you to do that yeah so i'm gonna stay here and sign here yeah because in my head i thought i, I thought okay well i can always go to an an nrl club next year after yeah. the world cup yeah so i don't need to go here yeah okay. like i'm gonna get paid well regardless mm. and that's why it kind of like so then the following year every year it was like a, something that came up yeah and every year i was I more so wanted to test it out, but then the money in union at the time was just like too much. And like, so for me taking a risk to go play rugby league, so through COVID, there was like a few opportunities where I was going to play. Yeah. Again, I was getting paid in Japan, Mm. like a lot of money to play six games a year in second division. So you think about how, like much that was going to prolong my career massively coming to the NRL holy yeah. shit but the competitor in me wanted to do that yeah, yeah. and I just knew that where I was as a person at that time I knew that it wouldn't be about an ego thing mm. so I really wanted to come and play league but the the discrepancy between the money was just too large yeah. like you know what I mean so I just I was like um, and like the money wasn't bad so uh, but it just the separation was yeah. just too much that I I was like I wasn't willing to um, turn that down. Yeah. Every single Queensland celebrations right now has bloke on special. So if you're in Queensland, you want a case of bloke, head into your local celebrations. If they don't have it, it's sold out. Or just ask them politely, can you order some bloke beer? Get in your local celebrations in Queensland. Grab a case of bloke. Let's get back to the chat. Um, when was the first? So was it 2010? The first All Blacks game against All Blacks? Oh, no, I think it was 2009. But I was like, kind of like off the bench. Off the bench. Yeah. So like 2010, I was like starting, starting. every game. And what was that feeling like? Going yeah. Like the All Blacks, boom. Bro, well that to me, and that's sort of where like a lot of my run-ins with Richie McCaw and stuff sort of stem from, mm. because, and I've spoken to him like since all the the issues and that but it was like he was like i idolized him growing up Mm. you know to every new zealander was like that was the dude Mm. and you like just wanted to meet him you Mm. know what i mean but now i'm playing for australia Mm. so like in the australian like locker room and stuff like this everybody's like the opposite they just want to kill him and Mm. that but I'm like, nah, he's my favorite player, like him and Dan Carter. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, then I'm for like, sure, for sure. but then so I kind of <coughs> was like, oh, I've got to develop this. You know, I've got to hate him too. Yeah, yeah. And so then in in the game in Hong Kong, um, like I clean him out and he's sort of on the ground. I clean him out and I'm sort of standing over him. He just like kicks off with his, his foot, mm. sort of get get me off and... I was like, oh, he kicked me. Yeah. You know, so then I like sort of said a few words to him. And then the next I sort of following him around, like in my head, I was, I just wanted to get him back. Yeah. And then we ended up scoring the the try that tied the game, Mm. like in overtime. And he sort of made the tackle on O'Connor as he was sort of falling over. And I come flying in and I give him a shove. Yeah. Um, and that sort of kicked that off, yeah. you know, because I gave him a shove and said some words to him. And then the um, Muliaina, a few other boys come in and sort of pushed me off. But it was like, 
in my head when I look back, I'm like, that was just my emotion that I had built up to have some type of motivation against this guy. Yeah, almost like convinced yourself, like I can feel how everyone else is yeah, feeling. Like I hate this, him, I guess. Yeah, you yeah. know, but it was like, when I, I remember walking off the field and I was so like embarrassed and disappointed because mm. I was like, fuck, like, like how, how do I go and get a photo with him now? Yeah, yeah. You know, because he thinks I'm just a little prick and yeah. hates me. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was just a real weird sort of situation. And the first time standing in front of the haka, mm. uh, it was like this real weird feeling because it was like, I don't hate the haka. Mm. I actually love it. Mm. Every time I watch it and see it now, I get like goosebumps. Yeah. It's something that I did as a young kid. I was mm. part of, um, you know, and I grew up loving that. And so every time I see that um, from my culture and that, like, mm. like I don't, like, I'm, people will call me plastic in that. Yeah. You know, but I grew up in that yeah. and I still love and respect it. Mm. So when I stand on the field, you know, I, oh man, in some ways I was singing it along, you know, because mm, yeah. it was like, it's, it runs through my blood in mm. that. And, um, but I have to hate it. Yeah. That's how I felt well, that I, like, ha I had to hate it. I, also, I wasn't Australian. Yeah, that's, I was about to say, like, I, I love watching the Haka for sure. But when it's directed at Australia, it makes me like, it's a like, it makes me kind of for sure. get up like, you're, you're coming at us. Do you want to have it like, that's how yeah, I yeah. feel naturally. So it must be so conflicting for you where you're kind of like, it's in your blood, like, absolutely in your blood. Exactly, bro. But you've got a passion for playing for Australia. But see, when I was young, the, the, the difference is, is that. See, now I, I, I am Australian, mm. you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, say if you get someone who's um, like born in, in Greece mm. and grown up here, they're still, they're still Greek, yeah, yeah. but they're Australian, yeah. you know what I mean? So 100%. it's like, and that's the, the thing with our country. And I guess where the Wallabies are at now is mm. like, it's an important time because we're actually really focusing on and, and sort of appreciating the multiculturalism that mm. we have here in Australia. Yeah. So um, even with some of our identity stuff and, and the Wallabies and that, like paying homage to a lot of the um, Pacific Island nations and that, mm. because there's a lot of guys in our team that are Pacific Island heritage, mm. but they're Australian. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that you're, oh, you can't be Samoan or you, you mm. can't be Tongan, you gotta be one or the other. Mm. No, no, like that's, that's your heritage and where you're from. So for me, um, I've sort of got to that same point where I'm like, man, I, I, I love watching the All Blacks. Mm. And when I watch the All Blacks play, I'm supporting them. Yeah. When I play against them, well, that's it's, it's a game. Yeah. Like when I watch the Wallabies play, I'm like, I, I love that. Whenever I support the Olympics and that, you watch all the Australian events and that. Yeah. If I see a Kiwi event on, I'll watch that too. Mm. Um, you know, so it's like, it's an in interesting position to be in. Mm. But more so, more that I've worked on my own identity and who I am as a man, mm. the easier that's become. Yeah. Because back then, I actually didn't know who I was. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I should be on that side and being part of that, or that I feel worthy to be Australian. You mm. know what I mean? Because and I had people that would say, um, say that from both sides of the camp. You yeah. Know? So it was an interesting time for me, but um, now, like I'm, I'm very sure of who I am. Yeah what I stand for and what I represent. So mm. I have no issues if I'm watching the haka, appreciating that. Mm. Um, and then singing, a, um, being part of the the Australian Wallabies as well. Yeah. So it's, uh, I find it easy now, but back then, yeah, bro, it was a... Would have been tough, so yeah. young, and like you're trying to prove yourself and... Exactly. All that kind of stuff. Uh, 
I mean, you, you look at league, like a perfect example is Josh Papali'i. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, he has played for Australia, been one of Queensland's best forwards yep. for the last 10 years or at least five years. Yeah, for sure. And then he changed to Samoa. And is anyone really going to question the passion that he played with yeah, for Australia? Course. You can't. No. It, the runs are on the board. The, like, you cannot question. Papali'i gave everything he could ever give for yeah. Queensland and Australia. But he wanted, to, uh, he wanted to play for his heritage. And yeah. it's like, fair enough. It's just one of those things that's been, I guess, because Australia and New Zealand are so close yeah. that it's like kind of an awkward situation. Yeah. No one questions it if you're Croatian yeah, and you moved here as when you were 10 or 15. Yeah, it's a good you know point. You know what I mean? Or like, or it's vice versa. It's a really versa. good point. It is, yeah, because we are so, it's weird because like we're so competitive as nations, but yeah. we're actually, I mean, the Anzacs, we are so yeah, close. Like exactly. if anything ever happened, we'd be straight together. So what about with the fallout with that whole situation? Was that the first time you'd really dealt with like like media just fucking... Yeah, bro. Well, like, man, when I look back at it now, um, like, and if I was to have to go through that again, man, like it's it's crazy to think that I was 22 at that, that so stage. So young, bro. And I honestly didn't know how... And I said at the time, oh, no, I'm fine. Like I'm brushing it off. Mm. But it affected me hugely yeah, massively because it's essentially it was just bullying from the media yeah like i got targeted like it was everywhere like i'm mm. talking on every news channel front page of uh, papers every day crazy bro it was huge man and um so when i arrived to the world cup like we had so much expectation on us mm. you know because we we're just the way we were playing the way we had gone about the super rugby season things like that but i had an even bigger battle which was against the media. Yeah. You know, and like, it's like, if someone had to go through that now, like, I, I don't know how, if I had to go through that now, mm. I think I would cope with it a whole lot easier because mm. I'd just call it out. Yeah. And I'd say, what's going on here? But I, I was, and I'm actually stronger as a person, but I still don't know if I would survive it, mm. like, and thrive in it. Um, but back then, like, yeah, obviously I, I sank like I just yeah. didn't know how to cope but I didn't have any like coping mechanisms mm. or support yeah and kind of like bullying back then it just was like not a thing yeah it didn't just, really exist it was almost like deal with it you're an athlete yeah, yeah exactly like, you yeah. know who, like who cares you're just an athlete this is part of the gig and it's like well hang For on sure. a there's part of the gig and then there's part of the gig like, yeah, yeah. some some of this stuff is absolutely outrageous yeah and when you actually like look at back like what actually happened like you bit of niggle in a massive game yeah, against sure. the All Blacks, like, sorry for being super competitive. Like, it, it just anyway. Um, so, so, so this was heading into the World Cup. You, you yeah. were kind of dealing with it. So this is, so heading into that World Cup, like, was it a because of that negativity? Did you still really enjoy the World Cup though? Because it would have been your first one. Well, and again, like that's the the hard thing about it is that like when I look back at it, a mm. lot of it's sort of marred by this, and yeah. then my performances. Like there were some good performances, some like average ones, but it was like when we played against New Zealand, man, I played terrible. Mm. But I take that back, and I'm I would never blame that on like the media or anything like that. But mm. I take that back to something that we spoke about earlier: is that my lifestyle at that point, how I lived every day, there was no structure, there was no, um, there was nothing in in my life that was going to allow me to be consistent. Mm. So yeah, I had a good game in the World Cup. Then I had a bad one, yep. and then so like 
you don't know when the good or bad's going to come. Mm. So a bad game came against New Zealand because, again, there's a lot more pressure on there. So the media's hounding me, hammering me, more pressure. Um, they're the best team in the world. They're the, the home team. Um, and so then, as I said, me not living a consistent lifestyle, yeah, consistent preparation, things like that, well, my result was either going to be up here or down here, mm. and it happened to be down here. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I, I look back at that and, and say that kind of we compare that to my first game back uh, against South Africa. Mm. I went into that game knowing that I'm going to play well, but not knowing that I'm going to win the game. Mm. And we still could have lost that game. Yeah. So the fact that I went into that All Blacks game, like, hmm, am I going to play well? Oh, man, like, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I know I have the ability. Yeah. But this game, there's a lot on the line. Yeah. So then my first kick in that game, I kicked the ball out in the full. Yeah, well. Like, so then you just sort of, from that point on, you're already starting, like, below. Yeah. So everything. Yeah. So you think about some of the decisions you make because you want to get back to even or yeah, you're above. chasing it. You're chasing. You're that. chasing. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah. Um. You know. So like that. That that was a a really tough time for me. And then I I finished that off with a um an ACL injury. Yeah. Wow. Um. In the third and fourth game. And <sighs> the third and fourth game was one of the games I was playing up here. Because again, no pressure, nothing. Wow. I just played a bad game. So what do you do after you play a bad game? You work hard you prepare you do everything you know what I mean so um and that's the thing for me is like I talk about that a lot is that when things are going well that's the most vulnerable time Mm. that's the hardest time because you either kick back and see I got to a point in 2011 where everything I touched on the football field just come off Mm. and so like the creativity things like that I just Kicking balls on my end goal. Yep. Um, you, you won the Super Rugby title that year as yeah, well. Yeah, we won it, but and it was like hardly broke a sweat type thing. Yeah, like wow. we were just winning games. Like we knew we were going to win games, even if we were behind. Yeah, wow. The final was a hard game against the Crusaders, and um, like again, but just for some reason we knew we were going to win. Mm. But what that did to me was like make me just think that ah, I've figured it all out now. See, I'm I'm at this level. Yeah. And I'm just going to stay there. Yeah. So, whereas you get to a certain level through work, right? Yeah. Now, how do you stay at that level? Through more work. Yeah. So, it's actually when you get to the top, the work's harder because you're trying to stay at that level. So, that's got to be your normal. Mm. Whereas, and this is a, a big point for me and something that, again, that when I have conversations with younger athletes and that, is when you work hard, say like, a lot of people use preseason as oh, I'll get fit, and if you listen to any media interviews with boys in um, preseason, oh, you know it's the fittest I've ever been. I'm in the best shape of my career. And it's like, bro, like you might feel that way because you just had time off, so you feel good. Yeah, and you're starting to train again, but six weeks or eight weeks of preseason is not enough foundations. Yeah. So years, years. Exactly, bro. And so that's essentially me for that game against South Africa. I had years to prepare for it. Yeah. Think about Olympic athletes. They have four years to try and shave off 0.1 of a second. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like the way I look at it is that if this is your, you come in at preseason and you get to here, okay, this is, has to be your new zero. Mm. So that if that's your zero and you come into preseason every year, 
you're using that eight weeks to sharpen your tools mm. but this is your lifestyle has to be at that level mm. um because otherwise you're just a part-time athlete yeah so being a footy player in that is all based around your lifestyle choices and you make choices based on what who you want to be mm. not okay footy is starting now i'll use that six weeks to try and get in shape yeah it's 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 interesting like you, you, you're right in regards to people see it almost as in blocks, like the preseason, get yeah. fit, then I've got a season. I try and, and hold it. Yeah, try and hold it. Whereas like, and this is just a much lesser example, but because I've been doing sport like my whole life, yeah. if I start training, my my muscle, like my yeah. body just goes boom, 100%. straight back into it. And that's not to say like I'm some fucking hero or whatever. That's because like the last 28 years of my life or whatever. For sure, you're conditioned to it. Like my body just is conditioned yeah. to it. And you take that even to a, a, a higher extent. like. One story I got is, uh, so we were doing a preseason uh, at the Broncos, fucking super tough. And this is, you know, peak everyone. We got all the best players, rah, rah. Um, and so in preseason, usually around December is when you start getting your PBs. Yeah. Darren Lockyer, no, sorry, yeah, at the end of December. Lockyer, he played for Australia, all that kind of yeah. stuff. He played all season, killed it. I think it might have been like one of his years where he won everything. Uh, he came back to the first session of fitness the first session and we're talking throbber like the fittest strongest blokes in the country it's yep. the broncos heyday first session got the second fastest fittest time out of everyone in his first session and that's when i was like that's why he's the goat like he's sure. rolling to we've been getting towed up for eight weeks by everything's controlled yeah. we, we're paying hunt we're paying millions of dollars to get us in good shape he rolls in and just goes boom second best time at everyone i see and that that what what that says to me though is because everyone goes oh he just came in and did that nah mm. see what he does every day yeah how he lives every day yeah. so it's like what he does when he what he eats yeah what he does so he goes and trains so for me even when i'm on holiday like during this period now like being injured i could just do no training like if i didn't want to train tomorrow i have rehab in that i could just go nah but that only affects me mm. right so it doesn't really affect the physio or anything like that yeah they'll be annoyed that i don't go yeah but essentially it's only affecting me mm. but that's a choice that you make based on what sort of lifestyle you live mm. and so going on that point with um Lockie, that it makes so much sense because you got a guy like Bowden barrett mm. and this was all going around the rugby world last year comes back to the first session where they do a um a bronco mm. and he runs like 411 in the bronco yeah like 411 in the bronco man that's like for the that, listeners what's what's a bronco oh so bronco is that 20, 20 meter out and back, uh, 20, 40, 60, yeah. up out 20, and back. Up 20, up 40, up 60, and you do it five times. Five times. Yeah. So 411 like, is flying, Just bro. look at those splits, bro. Like, right. So if we do a broken Bronco, so you might do one rep, have a minute yeah. rest. Like you're doing those on like 45 seconds and they're fast, like yeah. you're sprinting. Yeah. He's essentially doing like 45 second um reps bro 411 is flying yeah bro and like then there was a flying. a kid um ruru he ran for 412 Shit. so and this is the thing right and like he always gets left out of the story yeah because he came second yeah. but it's like bro 412 <laughs> is like a joke as well yeah yeah um see and like, i've That's never like been really like full paced the whole time essentially 100 like outside bro. of being in your anaerobic of like actually fully sprinting that's as fast as you can go. <laughs> and Bodhi's fucking fast though. Fuck. Like 
he could be a winger in any team yeah, and be the fastest winger. How much does he weigh? I, I honestly don't know. He's he's quite tall and um, lean. Yeah, like lean. Yeah, like he's he's built like a like a whippet type, yeah, like okay. an old greyhound. Like yeah, he's just okay. long, wiry. Fucking hell. Nah, he's pretty Four tall. 11. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, he's super fast. Man. That's fucking hectic. Um, and was that like him just coming back in a preseason? <laughs> First day of preseason at, at the Blues. And so this Bro. story just went like yeah. everywhere because we're running ours. And then you hear that <laughs> and you're like, we're running this tomorrow, man. Yeah. Like, fuck. Why do you have to release that? But that's, that's a crazy thing. Like, all the greats, that's all they got in common, usually. For, for sure. That's for sure. Usually, like then you got your rogues, like you, you know, like I'm sure Joey tried really, like in fitness, <laughs> yeah. Like, but he's your rogue that just yeah. somehow, but he's again, the one in a bazillion kind of. As, thing. as you said, yeah, he's the rogue. He's the uh, minority. Yeah, and he's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm. And see, and that that's the thing, right? Even if you're that talented, yeah. Like if you just have certain level of discipline in that, man, your whole life becomes so much easier mm. because. Let's say, how old did Joey play till? That's the thing. He didn't play till like you compare him to say a Cam Smith that played yeah. till he was bloody six hundred years old. That's my point. Like you imagine having that greatness mm. around for that long. Okay, so walk through winning winning the comp, like because you came to the club, bottom of the table, like honestly, yeah. just not great, <laughs> all the way to a premiership. So like you've done the, it's almost I'm not sure like personally whether you wanted to do this, but like from a fan's perspective, the one thing they always say mm. is could he do it in a team that's not great and and there's guys that go out and win premierships with yeah. big dog teams yeah. and it's fucking hectic that's incredible but the ones that are remembered are the ones that take a team that struggles sure. to the top and i think that's what like sort of um captivated the country mm. and like just footy fans around the world yeah was like our team if you go over that list and put it against the crusaders mm. like we're playing the all blacks yeah and then you had like some dudes like we had um Bo Robinson was our flanker and he's basically was working at a pub no. and you know what I mean so yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. like that that's the like crux of our team just like guys that people didn't know young mm. dudes um guys that had potential things like this and so winning that comp and it was like it was pretty cool to be a part of because you just saw the game like we were getting averaging 45,000 people a game and wow. at this stage, we were averaging more than the Bronx. Yeah. Because that was one of the KPIs that the um, the front office would come yeah. through and, and tell us about. And Bronx number one in the NRL at the time. So, yeah. like, that's hectic. So, it was just like, and we sold that stadium out, like, completely. So, 52,000, I think it was three or four times that year. Mm. So, we had the Blues in a, a semi. Then we played the Crusaders twice. Mm. Um, one being the final. And there was one other game. I can't remember which one it was. But... Um, yeah, so it was just like a the whole run of that year, bro. It was like I learned so much when I look back at that through our coach at the time, Ewan McKenzie, um, just in strategy. Mm. So I had never looked at – so we always had game plans, right? Yeah. And so let's say a game plan says oh, we want to we want to have all the our passes out front. We want to sort of try and do these set-piece moves yeah. or so forth, like real basic stuff. Mm. Where a strategy is like there's a spot there, we want to work over – Number 10. Yeah. So, well, you've got strategies like that yeah. and then you've got, like, psychology strategies, like, yeah. even further. So what we did, and I remember this this little situation that we had. So we went over to Cape Town and we were playing against the Stormers and it was um, – we were both first equal at the time. But Queensland had never been outright number one in history. 
Wow. So we get off the plane and we're driving Cape Town, bro. It's like the best place to travel to. Yeah. Like I'm talking the best. Still my favorite place in the world and one of the best places to play. Wow. Um, like the stadium and everything. But we get off the, the plane and onto the bus and we're all the boys licking their lips on the way to the waterfront. That's where you usually stay, this mad hotel right in the thick of everything. We start driving past that. And so me and a few of the other boys at the back, yo, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 where are we going? <laughs> and like Ewan says nothing. Mm. So we're kind of yelling out more. Hey, you missed the stop. <laughs> it's like, fucking, well, where are we going? Uh, yeah. We drive to this hotel um, right next to the stadium. So like you imagine hotels like right next to the stadium. Yeah. Like there's nothing. Mm. They're always in the city or yep. around the spot. This hotel, man, I'm like, we get there and we're like, what's going on? <laughs> he gets up and says, look, boys, we're staying here and I don't want anyone to go into the waterfront at all this week. That's just the one rule. The reason why, where Queensland's never been outright number one. So I don't want you guys going anywhere near that. I just want you to focus on this game. We win this game. Then you guys can do whatever you want. Mm. Just meet us back in Australia. Yeah. And don't get arrested. So that's <laughs> basically what he said. was like, yeah. and so our boys, all being a young group, we're sort of like, oh, a fair trade. Yeah. You know, but little did he know there was a nightclub sort of joined <laughs> right on like 100 meters from the stadium, which was <laughs> one of the like, best nightclubs. No way. So we spent our week going back and forth on this yeah, nightclub, yeah. but <laughs> we fully locked in that week on on the game and then the strategy that I talk about is, so he brought in all these like newspaper clippings, um, videos and put these videos up in, in our team meetings of um, the, the South African media basically bagging their team, mm. so the Stormers, saying how boring they were because the Stormers, they, were, they had won every game but they scored the least amount of tries in the competition and they were wow. sitting first. Wow. So they, I think that at the time, so it was like four or five, no, five games in and they had scored like three tries in five games. Mm. And we had scored like, we were the top try scoring team. So what he said was like, look, they're, they're, they're selling this game as us coming here to entertain for them. Mm. So they're using us to entertain. We're not going to entertain them. You know what we're going to do? They're incapable of scoring tries. So he's like, Quaid, this is what I want you to do. I want you to kick the ball down the middle of the field mm. every time you get it. And I was like, well, how's that going to work? Yeah. And he's like, they don't know how to attack. They can't score a try. Yeah. So we're just going to, when the crowd gets involved and they start booing their team, which they're already doing, yeah. then they're going to start trying to do things that they're not capable of. Wow. And then we're going to pounce on that. Mm. So I'm like, okay, like, oh, oh, mate, I trust them um, more than anything at this stage. And I'm like, okay, cool. We go into the game get the ball boom i'm just kicking it down the middle of the field and he, they're going some of them going into the end goal and that's a 22 yeah at 22 it back to us we catch it smack it back down yeah and then all of a sudden like you think 20 minutes into the game the crowd's just getting pissed off like because they think the reds are coming into town reds are doing backflips after tries they're doing dances they're scoring four or five tries a game and doing this crazy shit. yeah now they're just kicking the ball yeah and so then they're booing, they actually start throwing like rubbish and stuff like oh, down onto their booing. And then what happens is I kick this ball and it rolls just onto the end goal and their fullback at the time picks it up and kind of doesn't dot it down and just goes, the crowd's into him and he just runs it. 
He runs, steps two people, boom, boom, and he's like a freakish athlete. Mm. Steps two people, and then one of our guys hit him. Mm. He just knocks the ball on. We pick it up and score the easiest try of the game. Oh, man. And then, like, I remember at that point in time when that happened, and I look up at the scoreboard, like, we've, they've kicked, like, four penalties. We've kicked four penalties, and then we end up scoring a try. And I'm like, we've done nothing, and we're winning this game. Then, yeah. again, same sort of thing happens. They try and run the ball off a line out deep in their 22 mm. a knock on we swoop on it we end up scoring again Why? look up at the scoreboard i'm like man this dude's a genius yeah you know what i mean so then it was oh, like yeah. that was my like introduction to like proper game plans like yeah. in terms of hey we're gonna this is how we're gonna play this team and More this like how gamesmanship to a degree exactly so then we flew home oh, we had the bit like honestly after that game oh, like i'm talking <laughs> it goes down in history Biblical. as one of, yeah one of the best <laughs> Um, experiences and then we fly home and he gave us to so we flew home Sunday Monday gave us Tuesday Wednesday off and we just came into training for one training session on the Thursday mm. and we were playing the Bulls from South Africa again at Suncorp and so this week he's gone we're not going to kick the ball out once oh wow like if the ball if they kick the ball out and you can catch it throw it in I don't care I don't want any lineouts. so this was again like I was just getting so like I was loving these game plans so much because now it wasn't about just footy. This was like psychology. Yeah, for sure. And so then I started, it was so stimulating yeah. going up against these teams and going, okay, this is how we're going to strategically beat them with our rugby plays and stuff. And this is how we're going to strategically beat them with our minds. Yeah. And we're going to like use both these things and come out on top. And that was just like, I guess for me, uh, part of my career that like really flipped everything where i was like mm. oh i can like this Even is how more I'm gonna, to this yeah there's way more i like yeah. i know this much yeah um you know so then but as i said then we get to the end of that we win the comp and everything like that and i thought i know it all now yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah like i've i've got all the answers that's yeah. it like it's done like it's all locked up yeah now i can't lose a game from now on yeah yeah well, and as you know yeah. always learning <laughs> um Man, well, what was it like lifting that trophy though? Like, just to what a journey! Yeah, well, then exactly, sort of as we we're just chatting about those sort of psychological advantages that we had going into games. Mm. I remember lifting up the trophy, and it was like it just represented all that sort of stuff. So we yeah. had gone through like a heap of adversity as a um, as a team, but also, you know, Brisbane at that time, the floods and everything. Yeah. So it was just something that was kind of like bringing the whole community together. So when we lifted up that state, um, that that trophy in that stadium, when there was people who were in there that didn't have seats, they were just standing up. Yeah. Like, and then as we sort of spoke about, I've gone from my debut being this place is empty. Yeah. Of and being kind of let down of what this experience is supposed to be, mm. to now this is what it's supposed to be. Hundred percent. And we've achieved what we set out to do yeah which is kind of like the downfall really mm. because now we've got to the destination yeah and i actually didn't have the tools required um to move forward from that point because yeah. as i said like i was i thought i had two then 22 yeah, 22 so young as yeah and coming from so we went when i first played last last second last last oh, right. and then we went uh oh sorry last last second last and we went fourth 
no, fifth, I think it was. We missed out on the semis, then we won it the following year. Wow. Like 2010 was probably more fun than 2011 because it was just like out of nowhere. We're just winning games. Yeah. How good is this? Coming last, yeah. like no expectation and like oh, not wow. even our own fans. But then you'd look in the stands and 40,000. I was like, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is more like yeah. it. Then 2011, this is professional footy. Yeah. This is what like I dreamed of. <coughs> Mate, what it just as I said to take it from like last last to premiership in you know spans of twenty four months is right, yeah well that, wild. Yeah, it was man, it was pretty crazy, bro. Like, and I just look back at our team, mm. and some of those guys went from like never being able to make a team, yeah, to being some of the best players in in the country and, and if if not in the world. And so for the next few years, um, you know, you obviously continue to play with the Reds, um, continue, to play, continue to play with the Wallabies. Um, but at what point did you start, I guess, potentially looking elsewhere? Because you left the Reds, came back to the Reds, and then obviously it was sound, like the reports were there were dramas, and then you left again. Yep. What, what was the, the thought process around that time? So this is like you're talking about when I left to go to Melbourne and that? Um, so you went to the Sevens for a bit? Oh, yeah. So that I was playing in... Um in France at the time. So I left the Reds. Go to Toulon? Yeah, yep. to go to Toulon. Mm. So that was after the 2015 World Cup. So I wasn't really playing a huge part in, in that. And um, with Michael Checker's team, um, I wasn't heavily involved. And we were going through a few things at the Reds at the time. Because Ewan McKenzie had, had left and um, and I sort of, for me it was like a, a big moment when he left. You know, mm. and I was quite like territorial of the Reds at the time because I was like, I just wanted him and our um, coach Jim McKay mm. to stay there, yeah. and they had left, and everything sort of changed. Yep. And again, looking back, um, you know, with hindsight, and I was just a spoiled brat. Mm. You know what I mean? So I was just kicking my uh, kicking stones and throwing my toys because yep. it wasn't how I wanted it to be yeah. or how I had seen it to be successful. Mm. So. At no point was I willing to change and evolve. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, so you get a new coach and I was still stuck in, nah, I want it like this. Mm. This is how I want the game plans. Yeah. Like, I wanted them done like that. I wanted everything to stay the same because in my head, that was the the book of answers. Mm. That's how it was. We won the comp. Yeah. Like, don't change. Like, I want it to stay that way. Mm. And I was so stuck in that way that it was like, I kind of blew up everything around me mm. because I didn't get my way. Yeah. So I was like, screw it, I'm out. Yeah. I'm going and I went to Toulon. Mm. Like, it was a lot more money to go to Toulon anyway. And I was getting paid really well in Australia. Mm. But I was just like, nah, I'm out. And I left without telling anyone, just jumped on a train after the World Cup final. Wow. And went to Toulon. Get off the plane there and then started there. So what happened was I ended up, sort of playing, trying to play sevens because I wanted to go to the Olympics. Mm. And that was also a way of sort of getting back into Australia. Mm. Then the coach at the time, he got sacked and a new coach took over who, like, I respected a lot. And that was how I got back to Queensland. Uh, okay. um, With the, the going to Toulon, so were you contracted to the Reds and you just, or was it more just like... I was off contract. Okay. And so I had a contract that I, I'd actually... So it was a weird situation. I basically signed both contracts. Wow. So it was Sorry like I'd agreed to both contracts. Mm. Um, 
But then, so I had my Toulon owner fly to um, the World Cup mm. and he walked into my hotel, like the Wallabies Hotel, and I was like, oh my gosh. Shit. And I told him like, I don't want to come. Yeah. And he was like, no, you have to. And I was like, and then he was, we sort of had a conversation and there's like a break fee of like 150,000 euros. So at the time that was around 250 grand. Yeah. Um, so I had to pay that to get out of it. Um, I can't remember with the Reds one with what happened because yeah. I just left. And so like, what was it just, was your headspace just completely, like to sign two contracts, was your headspace just off like, well, I never wanted to leave the Reds ever. Okay. And again, that goes back to me being like, that was my home, I was comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I was always like that. Mm. Like I, to me, playing for one team was like the ultimate. Yeah. Like, and that's all I wanted to do. Mm. So to me, that was my home. And which is why, as I said, when things sort of broke up around that, with the coaches and that, I was pretty upset and disappointed because, like, in some ways, that feels like, oh, your dad leaving. Yeah, you know what I mean. So and it's like loyalty as well, like you're loyal for sure. to what th that's been built. Exactly, bro. And yeah. so, like, I was super pissed about that. Mm. Um, you know. So then, when I went to Toulon, um, yeah, it just made everything um, like a bit grey again because I signed two contracts because I just didn't know what I wanted. I, yeah, and. You know, it's easy for me to sit back here now and look back and say, I just didn't know where I was as a person. Yeah. I was so lost, bro. Yeah. I was just like, footy, I was just playing it because I was good at it. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't really contributing. And that's why I said I didn't play much in the World Cup. And I was still, at the time, I still believed that I was the best number 10 at the time. Mm. But just my effort was zero. Mm. So, like, yeah, I was more talented. But I was just offering nothing. So I was probably a detriment to the team. So mm. I, I'm... That decision now, I'm like, man, yeah. I wouldn't have picked me. Yeah, okay. Um, so, like, that just shows where I was as a person, as an athlete, where my priorities were at, um, the things I cared about. Mm. Um, and so then when I was, when I decided to just leave to Toulon, that mm. was just me running away. Yeah. I was just escaping everything. But I didn't actually fix any of the issues that were going on. Mm. Um, I actually was just acting like a child. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's where my head was at. And having these two contracts, it was just like, oh, I just chose that one because I just didn't want to deal with any of this. Yeah, okay. And so by me choosing that, it was just a whole lot of money that was easy to get. Yeah, okay. And so what the Reds, were they kind of like, because of all the drama? And it was everything? more AIU. Okay. So like Australian Rugby and the Reds, like you sign contracts with both. Mm. So it was a, but the reason why I was leaving was not, because of the AAU was more so the Reds. The Reds and that. Okay. Yeah. So you go to Toulon and then was it a, ma a matter of like missing home and missing or you just, what was the path back in? Or do you feel like you still hadn't addressed yourself? Yeah. So I, I, I still, it was just like, I didn't want to leave to start with. Yeah. Okay. So when the opportunity came with the new coach taking mm. over, mm. like he obviously knew how good of a player I was. Mm. So he was like, we're going to get you. And what I sort of meant to Queensland. Mm. So because they were struggling, ticket sales, things like this. Yeah. So it was like, okay, if we get our guy back, who's Queensland, he's been there since he's 15, we won a premiership. Well, that's – and our team was actually good that he assembled. Yeah. But again, like, I hadn't sorted anything out. Mm. I was just expecting that it was going to go back to normal how, yeah. how it was and everything, yeah, we're just going to win another premiership. Yeah. 
um, you know. So I come, I come back, everything's rosy for the first first bit. Um, you know, I basically I get injured a few times, um, then I get suspended. Like I do a high tackle, get suspended, so I miss majority of the thing, and then our season's like a bit of a shit show again. Yeah, um, and we were just partying. Mm. Like, Myself, few other boys, like our focus was on when we could party and yeah. how hard we could party and so forth. So that just was never going to be a, a a good ending. Mm. And then that's when basically sort of stuff finished. There is I had the fallout with the Reds. Mm. So, but I was on a three year contract. Mm. So I ended up just staying um, and playing local club footy. Yeah, but that was like again, like that was the the best time of my career really mm. i had the best time um you feel like those three years really you found who you were as a bloke like yeah yeah so you we're, we're talking about like a, a lot of the stuff that i talk about is like ego and that right so i look back at all of that stuff and it was my ego was just out of control mm. and that's from a standpoint of the only things that drove me were things that were of short-term gratification yeah, yeah. like as you t- talked about earlier those dopamine hits of going like fuck this feels good yeah so because it doesn't last long mm. i just needed that all the time yeah so i was either like searching for validation through yeah i signed back at the reds that felt good for that little time because yep. everyone's oh yeah, he's back, back and, home and it's yeah. nice so it felt good and then you get injured so i'm not in the field so then what am i chasing now yeah. like you know what i mean like i, yeah. I just need need to find that um, gratification and satisfaction somewhere um, and it wasn't until that all happened at the Reds that I realized that I'm finding my worth and my enjoyment in this thing that I can't control mm. I, I can't control if I well I don't have total control over it. Mm. and I'm finding my worth in the person that goes out there and plays the game so if someone likes me, that's because I thought it was because I played the game. Yeah. So I spent that time really with, like, you strip it back. You only go to training Tuesday and Thursday nights mm. for club footy. Yeah. 6.30 at night, you, like, and if I don't want to train, like, as in they're doing contact, well, I'm not going to do contact. Yeah. And those sort of things. But it was like I just got involved in it. I yeah. just got down at training and trained with them, and then I would start organising training outside of it for the boys. I actually just started really loving seeing other people grow. So yeah. I was getting satisfaction mm. and gratification. Like it felt good seeing others do well. Mm. And it was like, so I would coach the boys and that at training and we come up with this style of play. So mm. then as we sort of spoke about, I, I knew that that stimulated me thinking about the game, thinking about how other people could get better. And mm. when you actually see guys go from having, because club footy, they don't get any help. Nah. So they're what they have available to them is very little. Like there might be one ball that we <laughs> it's have. old as shit. Yeah, so I like got heaps of balls from mm. Gilbert, brought them down. Things like that. That now, okay, this is the level as of what I know about these type of drills. Let's do some of these. Yeah. And that year was just like so enjoyable from the fact that our team again, that team that I came and joined was like, came like last the year before. Mm. And then we should have played in the finals. Mm. But we, we made the semi and we lost the semi mm. to the team that went on to win it. But it was just like, who would have thought? Yeah, like yeah. People that came and watched those games, the 
brand of footy that we played. Um, so what I got out of that was like I learned about myself and went on a separate journey. Yep. I learned about footy because I didn't have, there was no real help. Yeah. But there was this blank canvas that was like, oh, like, here you go, here's an opportunity. And like players that are there for the love purely. Right. And we came up with this like style of play because it was like, I remember playing in a Barbars game and Alan Jones was a coach. Mm. And he said to me, he's like, bro, he's like, telling the boys, keep the ball up off the ground. Just want you to do malls and stuff like this, and I yeah. didn't. And I was a captain, and I didn't understand what he was saying. Then one day it kind of like flicked. He was like, and I was like, ah, oh, he just doesn't want rucks. Yeah. And I was like, why doesn't he want rucks? And I started thinking about. It. I'm like, rugby union is so like, it's not played right because rucks. If we went back in time and sort of look back where rugby union started. No, rucks weren't even involved. Mm. Like rucks, something that we bought in because yeah. we're trying to steal the ball off each other, right? <laughs> so then, if we try and eliminate rucks, what does that do? It means that there's less chance for the opposition to steal the ball, but yep. the game's a lot faster because mm. if there's no rucks, well then, because the average speed of a ruck's like three seconds. Yeah. So if you can get no rucks, well, how does the defense know where to line up? Yeah. So and then we just so we started trying to go, okay, let's go into this game. On average, let's say for example, there was a hundred rucks per game. We're like, let's get this down as low as we can. Mm. And then you think about how the actual game looks with no rucks. Well, how do you not do a ruck? Well, you offload. You mm. pop the ball off the ground. Um, you break a tackle instead of because one of the rules in in league, everyone will, oh union the coaches will say, fight to get to ground. Yeah. But if you're trying to tackle me, why am I trying to do your job yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we just kind of flipped the game, and then our games were so exciting to watch, entertaining. Yeah, we we're like averaging like fifty points a game. Wow. And so like then teams would actually start playing our style because no we'd get like a thirty-point lead. Yeah. And now they have to throw their shit out the window yeah. and just start throwing the get ball around. That. So then the game would be like fifty to sixty. How good! And it was so much fun, bro. But that's like what I got out of that that time in my career was a lot to do with football but more so to do with um me as a man mm. yeah it's interesting like how you can sometimes just like strip it all back and take it back to what really got you to the dance which exactly. was just a love for rugby bro exactly man and that that's the the hard thing though is like it, sh it shouldn't take people to get to rock bottom mm. to want to figure things out you know what i mean because yeah. there's it's only so many rock bottoms because that climb gets harder and harder. Oh, 100%. So, and that's why for me, the, the hard thing is like, hey, it's easy to climb up from the bottom because you've got no choice. Yeah. But when things are going well, and I alluded to that before, is stay disciplined yeah. and build habits and structures in place to allow you to continue to thrive. Yeah. And like, even if you don't have the same fire as when you were starting or whatever, you have to identify the fact that don't change the, the turning up. Yeah, like, yeah, don't just right. keep turning up. And that's the thing, right? So you, you're talking about fire. And I don't know if my fire is the same. Mm. But my habits yeah. and my discipline now is completely different. Yeah, 100%. So on the days where I don't want to go to training, yeah. well, it's easy to go to training because that's what I do. Yeah. And you almost say, these are the days I have to go to training. Like, 100%. That's what I said. Whenever I'm like, oh... I'm just gonna do this or i'm like as soon as you start thinking that it's like a trigger to go oh you must be there yeah you so must be there those are points throughout our life and throughout our day so we have these big moments in our lives mm. throughout our lives and career but then you have these moments throughout the day mm. where it's like so last year when we we're in wallaby camp so 
they gave us like a week off mm. and so with the week off but we we're in camp still in perth like for me i'm still like okay we've got a week off but i still need to structure my week so mm. i have a plan yeah so i know what i'm going to do and then i can't um like i, I need to fall on yeah. that i need to do these things so i'm like okay, i'll train gym monday tuesday thursday and i'll run tuesday thursday so on the tuesday i'm going and i've got a couple of the young boys um train with me and me and duncan go down to um the field to run it and it's pissing down with rain we pull up and it just starts pissing down like right on us and it's one that's one of those moments where you're like well it's a week off yeah. and it's raining like we could come back and do this later let's yeah. just come back and do it later or let's just not do it at all yeah or let's just go and do it let's get it done get it done and it's like you never feel bad after a fitness session ever, ever. but it's it's like but those are those decisions and the reason why that decision's easier for me to make now mm. is because it's who i am mm. so that's who i am those are my personality traits is yeah. that i'm i go and run on mm. the tuesday and thursday i said i was going to do it yeah i'm going to do it yeah um in a week off so if, if it's not a week off i'm going to be on this schedule yeah but this is my schedule and i stick to that yeah so at that moment i remember we walked out it was pouring with rain <laughs> and like so you still feel shitty like <sighs> and then we start running and then the moment we started running, it stopped raining. Oh. And then I started cracking up because I was like, oh, there you go. You like, could have been on the car on the way home and then everyone looked at each other feeling guilty. Like, yeah, brah. That's it. We so like, it's like, yeah. So we got through it. And then, but that like, to me was like a, a moment that for myself was mm. just like a small moment. We, we have those throughout the day. Yeah. And those are the things that the better you get at those and you make them a habit to, to choose the, the right thing or mm. the thing that you sometimes don't want to do. Mm. Just gets a, a little bit easier when you have those conversations with yourself yeah absolutely absolutely um i went the first broncos camp i ever went to and i'll still remember it ivan henjack said to me and this is i wasn't playing i was still a soccer player at this stage yeah. and he said uh bad habits are like a good bed easy to get into hard to, hard get, to out get out of, of yeah um talk about your, your boxing career um obviously you, you made your debut on the sbw car 2013 um do you enjoy it? Like, is oh, it? I love it. Eh? Love it. Um, is it nervous? Like nerve wracking? Yeah, the first well, one. The first one, man. So like, and one of the cool things about boxing is that, you know, coming from a team sport, mm. we go into the changing rooms and it's like you've got a guy sitting next to you, guy sitting next to you here, guy across from you. So yeah. everything you do kind of impacts them. Yeah. And so players still try and be a bit selfish, like, oh, okay, so I'm listening to my music or things like this. In boxing, you don't like. It's only you. So. Yeah. If you want no one in your change room, if you want loud music, if you want whatever, yeah, it's it's your change room. Yeah. So that was the cool thing is like I was in my change room and I was just getting ready, lying down, had a physio giving me a massage and stuff like this, and um, just going about my preparation. Had all my mates in there, uh, music playing, it was a bit of a vibe, hey. Eh? And then my oh, we get told, hey, we're going on next, so like get ready. Could be as <sighs> be about. 30 minutes oh, or 20 minutes shit. so my trainer says i oh, yeah, get up let's go and chucks me the skipping rope and he's like all right just do three rounds and i went to skip and i like, i just couldn't skip bro i like i couldn't even do one like what? jump like, i went to jump and it just kept hitting my leg yeah 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 and i was like oh, how and then the room like they're like everyone's looking i go to do it again i and then dead silent the room just <laughs> like i'm telling you like everyone was just like 
Uh oh. Oh my god. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. And my trainer comes over, he just threw threw me the gloves, put the gloves on, and then we yeah. just started hitting the pads. Yeah. As soon as I started hitting the pads, felt good. Just getting that flow. Yeah, bro. So it was just like, oh, okay. I was just like, I don't know, I was nervous. Yeah. So then we're standing at the um like entrance to walk in. And so like thoughts are going through my head at the stage, like, man, if you get knocked out, like Everyone's gonna be last. Gonna be on like front page. You knocked out. Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone's gonna laugh at you. Oh, things like, like this. Constantly yeah. being. Yeah, so I was just yeah. like, I was getting really quite nervous, mm. and so that was kind of like what was motivating me. Like the guy that I was fighting, I had nothing against him, man. But for me, it was easy because this is sport. Mm. But I get into the ring, and I actually had never been in a proper boxing ring. Really, I'd only boxed in the ring at my. Um, at my training facility. Okay, and then was it smaller ring or a bigger ring? Uh, it was a little bit smaller. Yeah, okay. But the the cut, like the ground, wasn't wasn't it as was it was different. It wasn't yeah. as bouncy, but yeah. it also the ring that I got into, it's kind of like this carpet material, yeah. so it's quite grippy. Yeah. Um, and I got in there and like I was like, oh, and I like went to scuff my foot and I like nearly tripped over, thinking, oh, this is different. I yeah. freaked out a bit and it yeah. was like really spongy. Mm. Um, then I go through this awkward moment where I'm like standing in the ring and when we run out as rugby players onto the field, like you've done it that many times, you know what to do. You run on the field, like you might go for a run to the post and back. Like yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm taking the kickoff, so I just Doing go grab the ball. Jump, jump your knees up to your chest. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. all, all the stuff that footy players do. Yeah. I'm not, not a boxer. <laughs> I don't know what boxers do. Yeah. So I walk into the ring and I'm looking around and I'm like, um, and there's fair bit of time because yeah. the announcer's like doing some some stuff to the crowd and I'm standing there and then I'm like oh what's he doing I look over at him and he's sort of doing a bit of shadow boxing, shadow boxing. and bro shit you know if you watch this video you'll see me sort of go get up and kind of like it just looks real awkward like it's not even a real shadow boxing yeah, thing yeah. I do like a little hop and then I'm then I feel weird and I stop yeah. and I go oh and then I'm just like oh. walk over to my corner and I'm like take my shirt off yeah, it's just the most awkward thing, but so we go up and touch gloves and then the ref sort of says things. And it just took me back to like, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight at school, mm. but it's possibly one of the scariest feelings mm. because let's say you're at school and you know you're going to have a fight with someone mm. and it's daunting, bro, because it's like, shit, like this is all going to happen. Like yeah, yeah. You can feel the tension. So when you're yeah. in a boxing ring, it's like, you feel the tension between you, you look over and you see your corner, their corner, like there's so much on the line, then the yeah. crowd, like the crowd are, they're not saying like, like tackle him hard. Yeah. It's like wanna, F him up, yeah. kill him. They you want know? blood. Yeah. So like that feeling in there was like quite nerve wracking. Mm. But then the moment the bell rang, I walked up and I just throw a jab. And I was like, oh, like, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah, it feels good, yeah. whatever. Moving around and then, um, he goes to jab me and I, like, I go to move and try and do a shoulder roll, but again, that carpet, I oh, okay. stick into the carpet and I yeah. like trip and he hits me at the same time <laughs> over my like shoulder. And in that moment, I like all oh, the crowd oh, going crazy, yeah. thinking I'm going to get knocked out. Yeah. And then he thinks that he's hit me too. And I'm like, nah. So then now it just kind of just turns into, I, I'm supposed to just jab this whole round. I just get pissed because yeah. he did that to me. Yeah, yeah. So I walk over and then we just start like, banging Swinging. him. But it was just like honestly, it's the best experience. And one of my friends last year, I just teed him up a fight at our local gym because mm. we were doing all this training. And I said, bro, because he's quite like a timid guy. Mm. I was like, bro, just have a fight, 
like in the gym like controlled environment where yeah. it's like because honestly you'll learn so much about yourself oh, in this man. moment because it's like these fears that you have um even though they're not fears of like fighting when you get in there that fear of getting hit is a real thing mm. and so like someone will throw a punch and you'll move like that far away from the yeah, punch yeah 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 you know whereas like all the rookies like like step way back yeah, out of range and they're exactly. like fucking running around the ring and that yeah but so yeah. and that that was the thing so and like so that was one of the best things seeing him go through that fight and i remember him as like a person after the fight being like totally different yeah and the reason why I wanted him to do that was just to to do something, commit to something, mm. and st stick it out. Yeah, like even against all your fears and that. Yeah. So it's yeah, bro. Honestly, like I I love it. And there was there was times. So before I went to Japan, like I just wanted to quit rugby mm. and box. Yeah, wow. But Koda wouldn't let me. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> um. There's a few times like, and I remember, um, the year before that, like I was having a going through like a tough period. It wasn't really a tough period, but I was just like, bro, I'm gonna quit. Like, I just want to box, and mm. he'd be like, down the no, you're effing up. <laughs> Don't you dare! And I'd be like, bro, I'm honestly gonna quit, man. I just want to go. I just want to box. Yeah, got that taste and the yeah, love for like it and the learning. I, I really, I think the learning was yeah. the main thing. So, what I didn't know at the time, and like as we're sort of saying now, is like with hindsight looking back, what I was after was like something that I was stimulated doing. Yeah, that I was learning from. Mm. And the reason why I wasn't finding that in rugby, like I did for when I went back and played the club footy stuff, mm. but that I, again, like I, I was loving rugby in that, but it was like I felt like the growth that I had in these things, like um, in boxing, that was so much more. So it was yeah. a lot more stimulating. Mm. So then, what I the the key for me was like finding that in life yeah. and not using sport like rugby or boxing to get that same feeling from yeah, yeah. so that was like a, a massive turning point for me so when i went to japan the focus wasn't on hey just do this in rugby and find that feeling from rugby find that in your life and rugby's this big in your life yeah yeah it'll transfer over and that was a, a huge point mm. uh, for me in my life and in my career mm. yeah boxing is such an interesting one like i the way i try to explain it to people is like when you see Two people speak a different language like spanish or something yeah. looks really easy yeah looks really easy but it's like learning a whole new language boxing right. everything is you know your feet need to, all, all that kind of stuff and so that's what's so intriguing about it you're yeah. learning a whole like the way to stand the way to just take your cardio everything is different yeah and that's what's so addictive about it i think Bro, it's crazy man because like you said man every time i left the gym it was like i learned so much yeah because like footwork so then you got your footwork but then your feet got all work with your hands then your head's got to be moving too. exactly oh, then your bro. head's got to be moving with your hands but then there's a guy across from you and the most fun thing about boxing for me is like figuring out your strategy yeah, or like yeah. your habits yeah. and so i like being across from someone and it's like a chess game 100 you're standing there they're moving they're moving then you go okay every time he moves like this he yeah. does this he and then it's like jab oh, out lazily yeah. or when i can he, get that jab out of exactly him if I want to. when he does this yeah. i'm gonna See, boom, boom. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah, now, ah, then he reacts like this. Yeah. So then it's just like a puzzle that you just continually, continually try and work out. Mm. And sometimes you don't work it out and you get hit. <laughs> and you're like, ah, okay, but now, yeah. ah, okay, now I figured him out mm. when he sees me do this. Yeah. And it's just, it's, so you spend three minutes in one round doing all of that. Yeah. And it's like layer on layer on For layer sure, on layer. Man. And it just yeah. gets deeper and deeper. And like, I guess, 
even when so when I've sparred people that have been way better than me mm. like obviously being professional athletes like we're probably more athletic than most of the yeah. boxers and that because we've spent like yep. from where like 14 15 they doing weight language exactly bro and I've been towed up from guys and I'm like you know so I guess that goes back to even when I've had my fights mm. I look a certain way and people will think oh this is unfair you're fighting this guy yeah. but it's like dude's had 20 fights yeah, yeah. and like as a fighter yeah. and i'm a like rugby but i looked the part yeah so that was always the hard part it was like people would say that have never been into a boxing gym yeah if for you've sure. been into a boxing gym you would know it doesn't matter what you look like 100 percent. you can have some dude that's got a gut that could Bro. go 12 rounds and that was the thing so the first time i stepped in the boxing gym and had my first training session i got towed up from one of the guys in our in our gym who he, at the time he was probably like 55 and like gray hair like yeah. old man looking yeah and i said to my trainer oh, nah, i'm not sparring him I, like and he was like nah, you spar him he, he he holds himself all right like he <laughs> i get in there I'm like boxing boxing and this dude slips my punch bang hits me straight in the stomach like bro i'm like i want to take a knee <laughs> feels like his fist is lodged in my stomach and i'm just trying to run away but yeah. like crouching he's just swinging at me yeah and like so if that round had gone any longer he probably would have knocked me out yeah yeah. you know what i mean but yeah. it was like that sort of instilled the fear as well so every time i trained mm. i didn't care who i was training against mm. i would just be thinking i'm fighting mike tyson 100 percent. that was my mindset because yeah. it was just like i saw what i got what happened to me with this guy yeah. and i was thinking ah oh, you know I'm gonna smash them. Yeah, but these boxers, bro. It's a different breed. Different breed, bro. And they, as a, as like they speak the language. <laughs> yeah. They they you know they they're moving so fluently, <sighs> conserving so much energy in certain situations. Like yeah, you, you know better than me, bro. But um, bro, I ask all the actually um your clothing brand, oh, True yeah. Sight. How did that how did that start, bro? That was just more so something that like obviously I love fashion and that um. Ice, one of my good mates, mm. he he started his um, YKTR label and that. Um, and it was something I always wanted to do. So yeah. when I saw him doing it, mm. I was like, oh, yo, like kind of like inspired by that. Yeah. Like I seen it, but I just didn't have the time or the the business mind to go out and try and do that. I was kind of mm. like a bit scared, you know. Mm. And also when I look at look back on it, I wasn't sure of who I was as a as a person to mm. go out and do that because like when you create clothing in that, well you're creating a way for people to judge you, right? Oh, the oath. So yeah. like if someone goes, oh, I hate that T-shirt or oh, that's ugly, it's you know what I mean? You. Yeah, it's a piece of me. I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it was like a real daunting thing to do. But like mm. now, like I'm I'm so sure of who I am and happy with who I am that like doing something like that was just an extension of. Um, my creativity but mm. also an extension of me being able to progress in life to say hey I love doing this, this is what I want to do and I'm going to um, strive to do it to the best of my ability mm. so that's been something that I've, I've really loved and so I love the branding in that bro ah, I, I love the look of it I really do it's, it's been fun man so I, I have to send you some stuff bro I, I, was, um, I, was, gonna, I was literally I messaged I'm not do you take care of the Instagram no, no. I messaged him ages ago because I wanted to buy some shirts, but I wanted like dark black colors. Oh and yeah, like nah, we haven't colors. done any um, um, dark colors yet. But I'm getting fitter now, bro. So I'll be able to wear <laughs> light colors. So back then I was so unfit, I didn't want any light nah, colors for sure. Um, nah, but you. If, if you bring it, I mean, now that I'm getting a little bit fitter, I'll be able to wear some light colors. So nah, I'll, get some. I'll, I'll get some stuff sent to you, bro. I appreciate it, bro. But it's, it's been so much fun, man. Been mm. a, a learning curve because even though, like, as an athlete, like you're a business in itself, mm. like learning about proper business. 
like man it's like mind-blowing so yeah and like i'm at a small scale like even looking around here like Mm. what would have to go on to get all of this done is Mm. like man and i'm just a startup you know so it's been fun to learn about that but also for my own growth because as we said like it's quite a daunting thing to do and Mm. and know that hey i'm starting as the rookie absolutely and so from an ego point of view i'm not expecting it to be the most loved brand or anything like that and it's going to evolve as i get better at it Mm. but it's also been something that like even when we make a a certain item of clothing you realize how much goes into it bro like it's like a t-shirt right you think oh okay i can just get this t-shirt and i'll make it a bit like this make it a bit like that i want it sort of to fit like this man it's hard yeah like yeah. my first run of t-shirts like i hated the way they fit oh really because all the things that i wanted it to fit like just actually wasn't right yeah, like okay when i got like when i got them i was like oh, i still love them mm. but i was like man these are all the things that i wanted yeah it's not really how i envisioned it if yeah, that makes sense because i was like there was things that more intricate parts that go to it than just going okay make the shoulders like this like yeah. one of my hoodies when i first made it i wanted the shoulders nice and drop mm. but i didn't realize so you drop the shoulders well that's adding material somewhere well it's got to go from somewhere else yeah so there was you couldn't even lift your arms up like you were <laughs> stuck like this say so one of the samples and i remember looking at it like where have i gone wrong and i remember the late like um the girl who was um manufacturing it was like oh these measurements i don't know if they'll work and i was like just do it yeah like, this yeah. is how i want it yeah, yeah yeah and then yeah when i got it i was like ah you were right yeah, yeah you're right yes. your experience yeah. you've been doing this for a while sorry about that like, <laughs> me me doing this for three weeks <laughs> yeah. has um it's got, gone to my head um it's i think it's like a really especially like you know you're from you know uh, uh, a blue collar rough yeah. kind of you know and i grew up blue collar as well not much money i think like especially for like young kids that are from similar backgrounds to ourselves we don't think that we can be businessmen yeah for sure we just think we're an athlete or we're a tradie or something like those lines but until you get into it you realize hang on a sec like no one really knows what they're doing like everyone is an imposter to a degree yeah everyone's working it out as they go but it's the same with sport though yeah yeah. like as we sort of alluded to i thought i had all the answers yeah i wasn't even close and you're playing for the wallabies yeah you know you know what i mean so like now it's like now I know I so I know I don't have all the answers. Yeah. So I love learning about it. Mm. Um, so then when you strip it back to business, the other thing with business though is like because we're not from money, it's actually very daunting to spend money. Yeah. So yeah. this is a, a thing, right? So let's say you start this business and it says, "Oh, it's going to cost twenty grand to start." It's like twenty grand. Oh, like, bro, like man, no, I don't know now. I'm, no, no, I'll just give it a miss. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm... I'm Whereas a business brain would be like, well, that 20 grand is going to turn into 40 grand. Exactly. They immediately think, well, it's actually a not possibility. even spending. It's not even spending yeah. money. It's making money exactly. to a degree if you're going to be able to make money. I was the same, right? When I, like, one of my other directors of Bloke, yeah. we were just talking about doing this and doing this. It was like two years ago or something. And I kept saying, bro, that's so much, so yeah. much money. Like, I don't think we should do that. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. There's spending money and then there's investing money. Yeah, for sure. And there's just two different, and I, he's an accountant, so yeah. like, fucking knows. But knowing that that money is, there's a high chance. Mm. And like, so you could still lose that money, yeah, yeah, but there's sure. a very high chance it's going to, it's going to work for us. Now, if you go out and like, and this is the thing with buying cars, things like this. Mm. Like, and I was right into that because like I used to have, mate, like, five or six watches that were all over between 20 and 30 grand yeah wow 
at least so something probably more mm. but it was just like because i i felt like that was my worth like i was like yeah this is cool like yeah. I, I can spend money but now if you take that 100 grand and go okay like i'm gonna invest that into this i'm gonna sp i'm gonna spend it mm. but it's with the hope of it coming back in yeah. this way here's the outcome that i'm looking for mm. so as you said like there's spending money and then there's like yeah. investing money you know 100%. so and it's and mate, I still again I've been doing doing this for a few years now. I've still got no clue. Like yeah, well, see, like coming from a similar background, who was it that you looked to for advice on money and that? Because, bro, no one. Yeah, see, because I had no advice. I remember when I got my first paycheck, and I thought my club was stealing money from me, <laughs> but it was the tax. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, I rang my manager at the time, and yeah. I was like, bro, like they're ripping me off, <laughs> like. Say I worked it out, like they say I was getting 120 a year. Yeah, yeah. So we get paid monthly. So I was divide like, it by 12. Yeah, yeah. Divide that by 12. There's 10 grand. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, where's my? Why is it saying five grand? <laughs> and you know, and then I'm like, so then when he rings me, when I ring him and tell him, and he's like, I'm gonna come around and stay there. I'm gonna come around and we'll, we'll talk this through. Yeah, yeah. Through and he's like, okay, mate. So there's this thing called tax. There's yeah. this other thing, you know, blah blah blah. And I was like. But why are they taking it? Like, I yeah. didn't understand. I never had had money. It's, and it's insane. Like, why why schools don't teach us 100 bro. is outrageous. About money, about life. Yeah. So you think about learning how to do your times tables and that, mm. right? Like, I wouldn't know how to do them now. Like, I don't use them. Yep. Like, often, like, it's like you, your basics. Yeah. But the things that I actually need to know is like, Okay, if I go and buy a house, mm. interest rates. Yeah. Like right now, look at how many people are going to get screwed over yeah. through interest rates. What's, what's interest? What's principles? Exactly. Like, I didn't know you know that. Like, yeah. I have I have conversations with my sisters and that, mm. and my family and some of my friends who are like, oh, I want to look at buying a house, mm. and I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, um, we start talking about it, and they're like, how do you know all this stuff? And I'm like, well, I bought houses and that yeah. but like i didn't know nothing about it yeah when i bought my first house i remember coda saying to me okay bro like how many properties do you own and i was like oh only one and he's like oh, okay that's a good start yeah because this is when i went to him as my manager yeah and he's like okay that's a good start um and then little did i know that i didn't own that house it's yeah. the bank's house, the house yeah. i had only paid the, the like the deposit yeah and i was only paying interest only yeah so then when I actually told him this, he's like, bro, you see, okay, so now we're in a worse position than I actually thought. <laughs> so we're in debt. Like, uh, yeah. he, so he's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to pay it all off. Mm. Then you own that house. Mm. So now you own the house. Then we'll save more money and we'll upgrade to the next house. Yeah. But like without him in my life, like, and this isn't a fault to my parents. You know, they've just never been in that position. Well, they're probably from an even tougher time than you were 100 percent, bro like yeah. my mum and that like money um and like, they never knew what to do with it so me getting a contract at 16 17 mm. having more money than they'd ever seen in their life yeah you know so it's like how am i going to get um help from my parents who mm. are the ones who want to help you and who are supposed to help you yeah um so yeah like i that's why like the first Probably four years of my career, bro. I, I was I didn't save a cent. Yeah, I didn't have one cent to my. I was spend monthly my whole monthly wage. Yeah, bang like Just that. Just because it was there. It was there, and I was yeah. like, and I knew it would fill up. Yeah, um, because and it didn't bother me because I was just like I had no. 
awareness of money. Yeah. I didn't care about money because it was like I never had it. So it was just numbers in an account, really. Yeah. But then as I got older and it was like sort of as we alluded to before, it was like spending money was like, oh, okay, I gotta be a bit more careful with it because I the money doesn't just grow on trees. Yeah, yeah. So investing <coughs> they were like, I got burnt from an investment as an eighteen year old. Yeah, well. From a guy um who was associated with the Reds. Yeah, well. He was one of their like so I was introduced to him through the Reds mm. and I invested with him and it's not much now but like as an 18 year old yeah 30 grand cash oh. and never saw it again like yeah. and I was like oh okay so yeah, like that's learned, your first lesson from yeah it as well. exactly bro yeah um but yeah like even without going through that though I, like how was I supposed to learn mm. you know so it was good that I um met Coda and then that's that's even sort of tra transferred across to like learning about the business with mm. show sign and that yeah it's been some valuable lessons in so that s-h-o-s-a-i on yeah. instagram yeah give it a follow <laughs> um i ask all the boys this favorite rapper of all time oh, favorite rapper bro man like when i grew up it was tupac for sure yeah like that's where i grew up that that's pretty much all you listen to yeah uh, it was like hard rap and that. Yeah. Um, now, like, I mean, I'm pretty chilled now. Like, yeah. I'm like, you know, Drake's, Kendrick. Yeah. Um, all the same old. But so, like, I, I have to stay loyal and be from where I'm majority of the time that I listen to music would have been Puck. Okay. Favorite uh, movie of all time? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Bad Boys was my favorite movie for it's years. So good, like, bro. just especially man. the first one. Yeah, and everybody wanted to be like Mike. Oh, bro, Mike Lowry. You know, so <laughs> when they um that iconic scene with the date with the daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stop. <laughs> bro, that's one of the best scenes. <laughs> eh? yeah, yeah. So like, I used to quote that whole movie, bro. Like when I was younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still, so I'll probably still say like Bad Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Good movie. Good movie. Iconic. Brother, thank you so much for coming on. No, no, no. It's good, good to be here, Brian. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate it. That's it. Done. Boom.